Vishnu Daldieb, noble listeners. Welcome back to the Talk Until the Joy is Gone podcast. As ever, I am Rooney. And this guy over here. Steve. Steve, there we go. What are you saying? I'm Um, in an awesome uh, mood today. Oh, God. Awesome mood. (laughs) Why? I don't know. I've just, yeah, sun shining. I ran this morning, did a good 6K, sweated like a motherfucker. But, you know, I'm just, yeah, drunk a lot of coffee. I'm raring to go. We're a day late for recording, so kind of I've been waiting that extra 24 hours to get on the mic and uh, make jokes at your expense, which is the highlight of my week. Awesome. I'm, I'm glad I can I'm glad I can be there for you. I can provide that service in your otherwise devoid of entertainment life. Yeah, yeah. That's why we're friends, right? because you take my jokes in good faith (laughs) makes me happy yeah no how are you there actually um i again i i'm still half asleep (laughs) i'll let you know once i wake up it's 10 to 12 i've been up since seven i have been up since actually no i've been up since quarter past 10 which um, I didn't actually intend to. I intended to be awake early. Now, I was actually awake early now because my neighbours are the noisiest human beings in the known universe. Um, and they all decide that right underneath my bedroom window, when all the windows are wide open because it's stupidly warm and the whole of the UK is melting, is the best to have a loud chat at the top of their voice about what their kids have been up to. And that okay. was at like eight o'clock this morning, which annoyed the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't do it in the house in, in privacy. No. Apparently not. They had to do it right outside my front door. So, um, yeah. That, that, and then I fell back to sleep. And, yeah, it's to be fair, though, to be fair to them, the only reason I'm actually here now, ready to record, is because at quarter past ten, um, one of them went out there with his noisy old van and, I don't know, seemed to be, like, trying to pull donuts or something in the middle of my road. I don't know what he was doing, but he was ragging the absolute nuts off of this great big long wheelbase uh, van. So this diesel engine just screaming and spewing out fumes woke me up at quarter past 10 this morning at which point i realized oh, i should probably put some clothes on and like have something to eat because otherwise i'm gonna be having crisps and monster for breakfast and oh. steve will judge me again listen i don't i i'm very i'm not a very judgmental person i don't judge very often but i will judge you on crisps and monster for breakfast <laughs> well, i mean <laughs> again i've only had coffee but still I still feel like I'm in a bad place to judge you for crisps and monster. Yeah, I had today. I had my, my <coughs> regularly scheduled breakfast of, of a giant mug of tea and and some chocolate. What is it like chocolate granola, which is lush and it's Ooh, it's chocolate granola. It, it's kind of health neutral because like the yeah. granola is good for you, but the dark chocolate is not so good for you. So they kind of balance each other out. It's like being carbon neutral with like your packaging or something if you're a delivery company. okay so what you're saying is you're doing just enough to avoid getting getting shit for it but you're not actually don't really really care because you're not going the whole way hey hey if i really didn't care i'd have had some of cody's breakfast boulders this morning which are basically just little puffs of honey flavored sugar oh (laughs) they do sound good to be fair they are really nice cereal i mean the only cereal that i've really got into and it's barely even it's not really it is a cereal but it's not a fun cereal it's special k i can drink special i can eat special k by the box load but aside from that 
maybe Cocoa Pops when I was a kid. But like I gave up eating breakfast when I was in year eight and realised I could have an extra half an hour in bed. I hated it at school. My mum would drag me out and force me to have breakfast every morning. And I absolutely hated it. And as soon as I went to college and had that decision, I yeah. just didn't eat it. And for years, I didn't eat breakfast. It's only really become a thing since starting at my current place because everybody has breakfast in the morning. Everyone just sits there oh, and okay. has their bowl of cereal uh, at their desk in the morning. And I was like, huh, well, maybe I should try this. And yeah, now I have it every day. You, you said about the Special K. I ruined Special K for me because um, I did the Special K diet a couple of years ago. Oh, yes, I was I like, know. yeah. I was like, I'm going to do this because they look good in that swimsuit. I'm not even going to be wearing a swimsuit. I'm just going to be wearing shorts and a T-shirt. So I'm going to look awesome. And yeah, I lived <laughs> on Special K for about like two months. And yeah. now just the thought of eating, it makes me feel sick. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I think that's the, going on the Special K diet was what really sold Special K to me. I dropped a lot of weight in the couple of months. I was eating it for breakfast and lunch. Mm. And uh, yeah, I really got into it occasionally. If I'm if I'm really pushing a boat out, I'll put some honey on it. Oh, yeah. But at the moment, because I consider I'm trying to like slim down. <laughs> I'm literally, I probably, yeah, probably don't eat till about two o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, which mate, is really the first time in a day that I actually start getting hungry is about two o'clock. And then I, then i have something to eat but yeah i don't know why why are we talking about our diets anyway no where did yeah that's this is i mean people don't join our don't tune into our podcast for fucking dietary advice and discussions on breakfast cereal they tune lifestyle. in for <laughs> they, they tune in for pegging jokes and fucking <laughs> a lifestyle pod we don't have a we don't have lifestyles we have life tragedies <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly have a life tragedy um <laughs> So, last week, I tried to sell you on a podcast called Law. This week, I've got a brand new podcast to try and sell you on. I did tell okay. you about it, and I'm not sure if you've listened to an episode, but there's some exciting news regarding this podcast podcast that okay. I have told you about, so I'm really excited to tell you on the pod. This week's podcast in the spotlight is called Guys We Fucked. Guys We Fucked is been held as changing the way society thinks about female sexuality guys we fuck continues to pave the way towards a healthier outlook on sex hosted by stand-up comedians and sorry if i if i murdered his first name but corin 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 fisher and christina hutchinson this critically acclaimed podcast will be your new best friend tune in every friday to hear discussions on the most taboo kinks interviews with revolutionaries and sexual health, cultural icons, and occasionally guys they fucked. Right, so did you listen? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. What? Why not? This is only the second week of podcast in the spotlight, or spotlight on podcast, whatever I've decided to call it. And uh, <clears throat> you're already dropping the ball. Why? Uh, there are many, many reasons. First of all, that podcast simply does not appeal to me. So, you know, there really? was, yes, there was there was no drive. Going, oh, that sounds really interesting. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> there was it was the law one. I was like, oh, no, no. Yeah, that sounds really good. So I wanted to, to hear what, what they had to say. This one, I'm just like, oh, it's just going to be middle aged women cackling about their vaginas. Um, <laughs> uh, look, look, look. You might want to watch what you say, because 
I've got some exciting news. Oh, God. I re- a couple of weeks ago, I reached out to them. Oh, God. Proposed, proposed an idea. <laughs> what? Don't, don't look at me like that. This is this is a really good idea. And it's so good that this critically acclaimed podcast, we're like, yeah, yeah, I like it. So I proposed to them that you go on there as a guest and talk about your mission to fuck all the straight white males in the world. <laughs> you know, for I, a moment there, for, for a real worrying moment there, I was worried you'd pulled something really good out of your ass. <laughs> I was genuinely worried that this award-winning podcast had knew, you know, knew of our existence, was open to some kind of collaboration, and I just uh, just written them off as middle-aged women laughing at their own vaginas and then you pull that out and this is why i hate you this is why oh i did this is a real genuine thing they're really excited i explained to them about how we don't like straight white males we're against slut shaming because quite (laughs) frankly i believe that if you've got a healthy sexual appetite you should be able to do it whenever wherever and with whoever you want as long as it's legal and you're not hurting anybody else, fill your fucking boots, whatever your kink is. Go get it. But and they seem really, really excited to have you on there to talk about fucking up the straight white mouths. <laughs> so they want to get a straight white male who's never fucked another man oh, come onto on. their program, come on. onto their podcast on. to talk about fucking straight white males. Come on. <laughs> you're, somewhere on the spe- you're somewhere on the spectrum, but you're nowhere near the straight end of the spectrum. Oh my god, we're back to the spectrum again. <laughs> You're definitely spectruming, sexually spectruming. Look, um, I, I can't, I can't commit to going on there and talking about. Um, I can't commit to going on there. Okay, let alone talking. But I, I will, I will listen to. I will attempt to listen to an episode. I'm not, I'm not saying I'll make it to the end of an episode. Since I didn't even make it to the end of Law. So, I've been, I've been listening for the past few weeks. That does awesome. not surprise me at all. I love it. They were telling me things that I'd never, like, as somebody that's only ever had sex in a missionary position, they're opening the world to me. As as Mission- somebody that's uh, like, what? You you use that word. Generally, the missionary position is not you being roped over a barrel and <laughs> anally destroyed. Okay, that's not missionary. I don't know what websites you've got that from. That is not missionary, okay? That's what you told me missionary was when you said, should we do missionary? And I said, yeah, and then that happened. Oh, was that me? Oh, sorry. I've told I've told oh. you a lot of lies over the years. I can't I was, keep track of them. I don't care be- enough to keep track of them. Back before I was null and void, because I'm a feminist <laughs> now, back when I was a straight white male, and I, I was the first on your list. <laughs> oh, my God. Just to spend 10 minutes looking at the world through your eyes. I swear. It'd probably drive me insane. It'd be like 10 minutes conversing with an old god. But uh, Remember what <laughs> happened to all the people on, on uh, the event horizon? <laughs> 10 minutes in my shoes, bro. You'd be clawing your eyes out. You'd be... <laughs> you... Anyway, so we got this interview penciled in in three weeks' time. So you got to prepare yourself. This isn't like our two-bit podcast. These are critically acclaimed. People actually listen to them. And people reach out and you will get some hate mail if you if you don't give a good in- interview so you've got to prepare yourself for this right i offered yeah. i offered to go on there with you but they told me that they heard my chloroform joke and they don't want to associate <laughs> so i won't be there 
told, hold your hand. And I offered for you to do it cross-dressing. And they said that you don't need to do that, so don't worry. Um, but yeah, it's all set up. They're critically acclaimed. Do you know how many, if you shout out our podcast enough, we are going to get an extra like five, six listeners. It'll be brilliant. I. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I... Yes! Every week I try and stop you in your tracks, and now I've done it. Uh, I, I have I have no words. I have no words. Anyway, now I'm a feminist. <laughs> and uh, people, I've put it out into the world. People know I'm a feminist. <laughs> um, Space Monkey Zero, Stacey, boss of all the Space Monkeys, reached out <laughs> and uh, told me that I should probably know something about feminism if I'm going to claim to be a feminist. So this is what That's she said. Good idea. Yeah. I mean, look, I love women. Strong women, especially. But, you know, I, love, I, I, I love do. Strong women, women. Small women, tall women, short women, fat women, slim women, black pussy, yellow pussy, white pussy, Asian pussy. We have all the pussy. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I love your reference, we should probably steer clear from racially insensitive things like that. As a feminist, I can't be getting on board with shit like that. Especially all that, all that objectifying of the pussy. It's when are you going to anyway. go out and burn your training bra? <laughs> My training bra. No, I need that because when I run, these these moves they flop about a lot. And <laughs> slapping I, you I'm, in your nose. Yeah, I'm sick <laughs> of going to work with black eyes and having to tell people that I walked into a cupboard. Um, <laughs> so Stacy said, um, so most people who have half a brain would consider themselves a dog person. I would always choose a dog over a cat, which I was that person before I became a feminist. Um, she says, well, on a podcast, Sophie Hagen, I think, she said that because historically dogs have been categorized as masculine, dominant, alpha, low growls, etc. And cats have always been categorized as feminine. It's the patriarchy selling the notion that dogs are better and more worthy of time, our time than cats. And then she goes on to say, as you're now a fully-fledged feminist, you should probably know this. So, yeah, thank you, Stacey, for educating me. But um, it made me so, think. You said a lot of things about cats being assholes. Uh-huh. You made a lot of strong anti-cat statements. Uh-huh. And, uh, well, first I have to admit something. First I have to admit <laughs> that um, I didn't really know what the word patriarchy meant, so I had to Google it. <laughs> And once I Googled what the word patriarchy meant, I fell down a bit of a rabbit hole and I realised that um, you men, you straight white men, well, not you, but the straight white men are just fucking sickening. Do you, like, I, just, I found something that absolutely blew my mind. Do you know, up until 1991, it was still legal to rape your wife. That is fucking despicable. Wait, where? I don't know. I just it just yeah. Because I'm fairly certain that in I'm fairly certain in some countries it's still legal. Yeah, well, and and down in Redneckville, Kentucky, it's although it's not legal to rape your wife, it is legal to rape your cousin, which is pretty much the same thing. Jesus, Jesus, (laughs) this world is a sickening place, isn't it? Like (laughs) from all the things I've been reading about the patriarchy, now I know what it means. And just things like that. It's just a sick world. It was, it's enough to make you want to give up. But I can't give up 
as a feminist. I have to keep fighting the feminist fight. I have to keep like punching these stupid men in the face and just telling them. You haven't punched any man in the face in at least a decade. Uh, Yeah, right. That's probably a wrong wrong term. I've got to keep (laughs) enlightening the world as an evolved person. Now I'm a feminist. I have to keep I have to start like, you know, educating the masses on what they're doing when you're like, I will, do you know what? I, I need to stop and give a big shout out to Stacey. She was the first woman that I ever met or knew in real life that got married and refused to take her husband's name. Like, why? Why are women? I know it's a choice. I know women choose to do it and women can choose not to. But like, why does society feel that women need to take men's name? It's fucking archaic. Just be yourself. You don't need to take a name. You don't need to do that shit. Be true. Be you. You know? Stand up. Stand up for your gender. Keep your fucking name. I mean, clearly, this podcast has been replaced by one I no longer recognise, and I think I may have tuned into the wrong recording here, because um, so far we've done lifestyle, and now we're on to uh, violent feminazism, and I'm... I, I, yeah, I mean, I've got notes about a fucking Terry Pratchett book. I, I fuck knows how we're going to fit that into there. We're going to go, my God, and then go to the to the book. But seriously, like, I want to get on these charts. I want to get on these charts. I want to get on the lifestyle chart. I want to. Everyone seems to be talking about lifestyle, nutrition, diet, exercise, p- politics, and we're just over here, like, talking about geek shit. Let's. <laughs> Let's get with the program. Let's get to the 21st century. Let's tell people what our diets are and what we think about feminism. And then go and do it. Nobody cares what our diets are. Nobody cares what two white middle-aged geeks had for breakfast. I mean, I know we've we've spent over the last two episodes at least 30 minutes discussing that, but nobody really cares. But do they care now now I'm a feminist? No, they still don't care because you're still a white middle-aged geek. Male white middle-aged geek. I'm a feminist now. I'm I'm evolved. <laughs> oh fuck it! I see this is all lost on you. You go back to fucking all the straight white men claiming you're a straight white male, and then we'll just <laughs> wait. I thought we didn't like straight white males. I don't, but you're still you're like that's why you're fucking them all. Teach them all a lesson. <laughs> Teach them all lessons. I'm going to teach them all a lesson by giving them the time of their life. That's not how <laughs> teaching someone a lesson works, okay? okay being sent for, for, for you know experiencing 37 seconds of heavenly <laughs> blitz is not like teaching someone a lesson. 37. <laughs> the pooch. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm thinking it's more like all these years you've been fucking these uninterested kind of unimpressed women now you get to see what it feels like i didn't realize you were giving them the time of their life considering they're meant to be straight <laughs> and 37 so seconds spaghetti well, until it gets hot what so is spaghetti until it gets hot <laughs> <laughs> it's not a perfect analogy i understand but you know like i said i've only been awake about an hour and a half it's it's one i've never heard so yeah i quite like that <laughs> everyone's straight until it gets hot um yeah talking of hot it's fucking hot right the past few days it is insultingly hot 
I don't know if you saw my Instagram post, but I had to give the weather gods my uh, this is not on disapproving face that they need to sort this shit out because I can't function. I quite like it. I'm liking it. It's definitely doing good to my mood. I would just the only thing I would take away personally is the fact that I'm a bit dismayed that even sitting still reading a book, I'm still sweating. <laughs> exactly. This is my point. That's the one thing I would take away. Aside from that, like, you know, I quite like it. Girls are out. They're wearing a lot less. Like, it gives me as, gives me something to look at when I'm driving around town. It's, it's really good. You know, can, I just, can I just stop you there for a moment? That is the most feminist comment I've ever heard. Well, big, big up that. Yeah, objectifying women while you're out driving your car, you prick. I'm not object- I am not objectifying them. I am reveling in the fact that they feel like strong, powerful women that can do whatever they want. I see them and I oh, give them a salute. I get it. You use different words to explain it and it makes it okay to be a lech. Right. Now, in that case, yes, I am a feminist. Big up the boobies. Yes. More listen, power to the women's. Listen, I am a feminist now. I'm listen, all about that shit. In a terrible attempt to promote this podcast, because only two, maybe three at most people ever care when I post about it on Facebook, I've had to go back on Facebook. And do you know what I see on Facebook? Lots of people trying to talk their way out of being complete pricks constantly. <laughs> That's not life. Me. That's it's humanity. Not I'm not like this. I don't do this. Oh, boo. I'm going to judge all you people for doing it, but I don't do it. Fucking idiots. You know what no. I mean? So no, look, the, why, can't I, why can't I appreciate strong, powerful women that feel like, like if they want to go out wearing no clothes, they can do it? Why not? I'm not perving. I'm I, respecting them. I think I'm we should appreciate those strong, powerful women. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all about that. I think I, I think I would appreciate them even more if they would come over here and nosh me off in a strong, powerful fashion. Oh, that's just that's just wrong, bro. You can't treat women like that now. They're our equals. Well, I'm not treating them like that. I will be totally hands off. I will let them do them. You know, they they will be doing that. I won't be controlling them. I won't be the patriarchy pulling their hair and spanking bits of them. I, they will be hands off. They can just do it. They can spit, swallow, gargle, whatever. I don't mind. It's up to them. This is this is 2020, you know. <laughs> if the husband wants to sit in the corner and watch, well, that's not my bag, but that's up to them, you know. <laughs> I'm not here to judge. <laughs> they want to spit, swallow, or gargle with something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 2020, mate. Go get with the will times. You ask, will you ask permission before you give them a facial? That is the real question. That is the sign of feminism. Like I said, like I said, they're in charge. They can ask for a facial. I'm not oh, gonna oh. I'm not gonna push my preferences on them. So, so what you really want is a femdom. <laughs> no, because I want to finish. I don't want it ruined. Jesus. <laughs> I don't want to chomp him down on my belly and start like it's just I'm about, about to talk to God. Fucking hell. I'm not that kind of weirdo. Oh, Jesus. I don't know. I don't know where you can have the time. I know you're having to bang three straight men a night to stay on course to complete all this within 10 years before you get too old that you can't get it up anymore. Like, <laughs> I don't know where you're getting, where you're getting, like, the libido all the time. Why you do you think I'm always so fucking tired? Okay? <clears throat> I'm running on, like, three hours sleep a night. The rest of the time, my balls deep in buttholes. <laughs> And that's that there, that right there is a phrase I never thought I'd say. I didn't think that it's would ever have cause to utter that. It's a phrase I've been expecting you to, you to say for about three years now. 
Have you ordered your dragon dildo yet? <laughs> yeah, they're custom making me one. <laughs> I want it like a swamp dragon. Yes, exactly. Not a regular dragon. It needs to look like a swamp dragon, and I need to Draconis call it Draconis Vulgaris. Vulgaris. <laughs> <laughs> This has to be the worst. The thing is, right, you know the problem with this, don't you? Right? This this episode, in case the uh, our noble and probably somewhat nauseated listeners um, have forgotten, we are we are actually supposed to be discussing a Terry Pratchett book today. So when I start when this starts hit going out on social media and I'm tagging it with you know Discworld and and Terry Pratchett, um, we are going to get Discworld readers listening to this. And I don't, I don't want to judge, but they're probably not the sort of people that generally tune into podcasts that spend 29 minutes discussing what we've just discussed. <laughs> well, when you're, when you're putting it out, maybe you should put a little timestamp in there and say, um, book club starts at 35 minutes. If you yeah. don't want to be offended, uh, skip to that point. <laughs> There's nothing offensive about feminism, bro. You need to you need to back off that. The feminism um, is not offensive. Your approach to it is. <laughs> my approach is completely sincere and absolute and just big <laughs> up the women. It's, it's your interpretation of what I'm saying that's it's, wrong. But it's a good job we could sit here and argue all day long. Because otherwise you're fucking you'd have just Pinocchio straight through your webcam. <laughs> <laughs> You shouldn't say that when I got a mouthful of coffee. <laughs> you shouldn't drink while I'm making jokes. <laughs> no. Um, um, well, if this is really offensive, we should probably back off and move on to something else. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a good idea. <laughs> um, I don't. How, I don't have any trivia this every week. Every time I try to make like a, a stand and be really good and proper and sincere. It turns into fucking chaos. That always ends up with it becoming offensive in some way, shape, or form. It's just you. You're like you're, you're like the reverse Midas. Every, everything Midas touched turns to gold. Everything you touch <laughs> turns to shit. <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the announcement of, of talking till the life. joy is gone. The, talking till the joy is gone. The scat episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for you to, to message me. Right, got a really good idea for this week's podcast. <laughs> That'll be the very last episode where we do like a retrospective and go through all the times so I fucked it up and play clips. I think, yeah, <laughs> I think what, episode, what, what, what all the times I tried something and it turned to shit. What, what we need to do at some point is, yeah, once, once we've got a, a significant library of material behind us, is just go through and, and take a clipping of every time we say the word fuck and just see if we can fill an entire oh, two episode two hour episode with just that one word <laughs> probably <laughs> it would surprise me i said it about 18 times already today um oh god <laughs> um <sighs> so right so oh, yeah and by the way i did i did months ago sorry weeks ago proposed the idea of spinning book club but club spinning book club off and doing it as a very sensible um <laughs> book episode that was safe for work that you could show your family and 
you, we could tell our colleagues about because it was uh, it wasn't gonna involve so much <laughs> feminism oh you fucking <laughs> straight white man that stuff and he just ignored my idea so i've got no no qualms about this being a book club episode one <laughs> you an option not to not to have this shit in it <laughs> i mean yes that that is true you did um I just don't have time to do a second podcast. I would have edited it. Although saying that, I'm, I, I, I found I was having some editing problems yesterday, and uh, which I need to discuss about you when when we finish the episode. I discuss about you, discuss with you when we finish the episode. <laughs> I was going to say, wait, but, what? Uh, Those um, recordings I sent over to you were sound, mate. <laughs> yeah, your, your recordings were. It was my part that I'm struggling. Oh, with. okay. My part that I thought was going to be as easy as last time where I had the idea and executed it and had had the idea completed and sitting on your computer within an hour. Yeah, it's yeah. not going to be that easy this time. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> nice to see you struggling with some editing issues this time. <laughs> the, well, the reason you do it is because I would always struggle because I would turn it to shit. The anti-minor <laughs> People would tune in. They'd put their headphones in, and just actual poo would just come out of their their <laughs> headphones into just running down the side of their face. What are you listening to? I have podcast. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> just stinks shit a bit. Spilling down onto their shoulders. Stinks a bit, but it sounds quite good. Um... <laughs> ASMR. See? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, I, I I mentioned to Amy about our little ASMR segment with the with the crisps last week. Um, and she said, right, well, I can't listen to that. I was like, what? She's one of those people who, who like, cannot stand listening to people eating. So oh. she was like, yeah, do we have to put a spoiler on if we're going to do it? Like, like a, 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 not spoiler, uh, what do you call it? Trigger warning. Put trigger warning on if we're going to do anything like that. Any recordings I see, you know, drinking. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a massive fan of it. Crisps I can take. It's, it's more when someone's like, breathing heavily while i was trying to eat there's something about that that just turns my stomach oh yeah there was, one oh. Point, there was one point when we were at school that i couldn't eat my lunch at all because of the people that i was eating my lunch around just turned my stomach so much that i couldn't i couldn't face eating it's bad times i warn you dragon the human spirit is they never found out what it was, or at least what he thought it was. Although possibly in the dark hours of a sleepless night, some of them might have remembered the subsequent events and formed a pretty good and gut-churning insight to wit that one of the things sometimes forgotten about the human spirit is that while it is in the right conditions, noble and brave and wonderful, it is also, when you get right down to it, only human. Before we get into the, the, the meat of this episode, um, I just want to put it out there that I am very nervous. Well, I said earlier in the week, I am equal parts nervous and excited um, because the Discworld series is very special to me for several reasons. Uh, I'm not trying to guilt trip anyone into it that doesn't like it. So, you know. Don't worry about. I mean, I know you don't particularly worry about that anyway. But anyone else that's listened to it, <laughs> don't don't worry about that. But 
Um, firstly, Listen, I'll, was... I will use any nefarious scheme I can to get someone to care about what we're doing. <laughs> like Even if it is offending me. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's very special to me for several reasons. Firstly, it was it was something I discovered during a very difficult time for me. And it helped me through some very dark times in my life. So it kind of it carved it started carving this little niche in my heart then. Um, and then there's the fact that I discovered it via my dad. And it was something that me and him shared that always felt like it was exclusive to the two of us. Like, because he bought the books and then what, he'd be reading them and I was reading them at the same time. So we had these little references between us, like basically from then on. Um, and in fact, up until he died a few years back, all of the Discworld books that I'd read were his that I'd just stolen. In fact, I've still got some of them on my bookcase now, which were on my bookshelf when I moved out and just never gave back. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it because I don't know if it's coming across yet, but I really, really love this world. But I'm also really nervous because not so much that I'm worried that other people won't like it, but that I won't make my point properly. I won't be able to get my point across and it will just sound like I'm waffling or something. Oh, okay. That happens to me on every episode. So, yeah, I'm worried about doing a Steve, basically. Yeah, you're worried about not articulating yourself properly i don't want to steve it up yeah Which, <laughs> i don't want to put it after that intro i'm starting to worry about as well <laughs> um i think it's cute that you share it with your dad and it means a lot to you because of that maybe cute's not the word um i think it's nice yeah it's nice that it was something that you two bonded over so like there are a few things that i love that was because my dad introduced them to me and we we bonded over them, football being one. There was another point I was going to make. I can't remember what it is now. I started yeah. making jokes about intros and completely forgot what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> drink. Uh, yeah, move, move on. I'll come back to move it. On. Moving on. <clears throat> well, we don't have any trivia for this because um, trivia for most books is just a bit dull, really. It's yeah. just people reading quotes at and don't get me wrong i could quite comfortably fill one of our episodes just with quotes that i like from for books even just narrowing it down to just Discworld books in fact i see a fair portion of my notes yeah. are quotes yeah <laughs> because i want to talk about those particular things you should have seen me scribbling in my little tiny notebook like by my bedside lamp when i should have been asleep i'm reading this book and scribbling my little notes and trying to write down whole sections of text in fact, I've got about a dozen pictures on my phone where there were like whole paragraphs that I wanted to reference. Yeah. But rather than trying to write them down or taking like the page number and that, I just took a picture of it. And then <laughs> there I am sitting, sitting there on Friday writing my notes up. We look at all these pictures and I'm just like, okay, why did I take a picture of that bit of text? What did <laughs> I want to say about that? Oh, shit. <laughs> <coughs> it's very 21st century it's like who needs to write notes i'll just take a picture of it i'll just take a picture if you go back through my my uh gallery on my phone there's probably 40 maybe more uh pictures of text up here on in a book or on my e-reader or things like that because i'm like oh i like that i'll take a picture of that and i'll reference that and then i never do <laughs> just they just sit there on my phone and every so often they go oh yeah that was a really really good one yeah i like that Anyway, back to what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> I keep meaning to like make them into something like I don't know, 
inspirational posters or some shit I can distribute around the office and not tell anyone I'm doing it. So they just don't realise where they're coming from. Oh, subversive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it beats them posters where you're advertising for the straight white males to come and, you know, spend time with you. <laughs> Look, nobody makes posters anymore. They were done by a, a, a over-enthusiastic fan. <laughs> <laughs> Me. <laughs> yeah, just you, just going around trying to get me more uh, butthole. Yeah, just trying to get you on go- guys we fucked. To be fair, just to get some cred for our podcast. Um, yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, fuck, say something. Drink. So, Ankh Morpork. Yes, I've, <laughs> I've I had a lot of struggles trying to figure out how to pronounce it. So I'm glad I'm glad you've said it. Yeah, I looked it up yesterday, and I I. I I went to the man himself, Sir Terry, um, and found recordings of him discussing it and how he pronounces it. And since he created yeah. it, he knows how it's supposed to be. It is Ankh-Morpork. Pork. I've heard some really weird ones like Ankh-Morpork, um, Ankh-Mor, just really weird ways of mangling what's actually a pretty straightforward word. So Ankh-Morpork. Um, I like that. I like that city. I don't think I'd like to live there, but oh. it's, it's it's great fun to observe. Yeah, I think... <laughs> I think I could have the same relationship with Ankhmore Pork that I have with London now, which is it's <laughs> awesome. And I can jump on a train in half an hour. I'm there and I get yeah. to experience it. But at the end of the day, I get to jump on a train and go home and uh, <laughs> not have to, every aspect of it. Yeah. yeah. You get to, it's like, uh, like babysitting, isn't it? Kids are great. As long as you can give them back to their parents at the end sort of thing. It's oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. nice and place to visit. Mine. Wouldn't want to live there. Yeah, <laughs> I like I like the fact that Ankh Morpork is is basically this like twisted mirror of a of a pseudo historic London. Yeah, it's like the 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 disc itself, the whole the whole disc world, um, more or less reflects the British Isles. Um, or or like or when you talk about the foreign countries, there they're they're traditionally British perceptions or misconceptions of other countries. So, so like, you're saying like they're like the empire when we had the empire or it's our our perception of what these countries are it's almost it's a bit like if you if you wound the clock back to sort of like the 70s early 80s which i think is actually when oh, okay. uh, pratchett started writing these um those sorts of old oh, johnny foreigner doesn't like it up um, and things like that yeah it's all that, it's all that sort of thing but it also references like um because obviously there's no real technology to speak of it's 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 sort of dickensian yeah like that's victorian the, that sort yeah, of yeah that's the idea i got it was it was a take on like victorian london yeah i get this is a bit like uh, we were saying with sin city uh last week it's a bit of a pastiche yeah of, like of bits all the things he's into yeah to sort of mash together into this really weird well to be magical fair like place. Most creativity is like, oh, I'll take a bit of that and I'll take a bit of that and I'll take mm. a bit of that. And if I put it all together, then I've got something original. Yeah. 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 And well, this like is, you, this it's, is it's incredibly almost impossible original. original. There's, cer- there's certain things that I know you're going to talk about that I kind of struggle to have a well thought out idea on because this is the only Discworld book I've ever read. Yeah. And I mean, in this one, they talk about other places, but I don't really expand on. Oh, uh, we 
moving to this we're like we've got to move to this place or these are the other cities on the desk world disc world or whatever yeah. and so there's certain bits that i might have to ask you to mm. clarify and i think this is i think the way we'll do this episode is kind of good in a way as much as you love the disc world and you've got a lot of knowledge on it and i've got knowledge of this one book so yeah. i'll probably be probably be asking you to clarify things that <laughs> or may have read one or two books wouldn't quite understand so yeah. i'm the layman you're the professor <laughs> teach, me. teach me about droids of terry pratchett i mean this is this this book is i think it's book eight in the series yeah um and it's the first of the we actually mentioned the name of it this is guards guards by the way guards, i know we mentioned guards. this terry pratchett um yeah. guards exclamation guards exclamation um it's it's book eight in the series, and it's the first of eight uh, City Watch or Night Watch books, which is their little arc. Um, so it's kind okay, so of in in the scheme of things, is mm. that eight books, or is that he'll go and do another story and then write a book about the watch, and then he'll go and do another one, and then it'll oh no, yeah, yeah, come like, back to the watch, or is it eight books, eight? The, the first the first two books were like a, a mini like a duology basically they oh. they effectively oh, okay. tell two parts of the first big story and then from then on it was basically whatever he wanted to write about that was set on the disc and it jumps about i think the next um city watch book takes place like in universe three or four years later but is like two books later so there's two oh, other okay. books that take place something completely different uh, I think the next one is one that is a witch's book. Um, okay, so but, I can't just go get a list of books and be like, right, I'm going to read the next seven that come after uh, this one. No, I'd have to I, actually I, do a bit more research and find out what ones. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I I would I would recommend, and <laughs> I know it's no mean feat because it's taking me years to do it. I would recommend that anyone that wants to read the 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 Discworld books goes back to uh the color of magic which is book one and yeah. just reads them all in order because you his writing improves it, oh yeah it, it changes it becomes much more it becomes much more connected you get to like the middle of this the middle of like the, the 40 books and everything is meshed together and the disc world by this point is this solid self-contained fully functioning universe and he takes less time to explain bits and pieces because there's kind of a, a, an assumed knowledge that you've read at least some of the yeah. previous 20 books. So you will have that, that baseline of knowledge. He also does something uh, later on, which I, he, I didn't realize that he barely does it in this book, which is the footnotes. Oh yeah. There are. The asterisk. Yeah. yeah there's there only are. a few, and some of them, every oh. other page has got footnotes. <laughs> oh, okay. You called out a few. I thought that was like, wow. I thought this was going to be one or two, and it's about eight or nine. No, yeah. There's there's some of them where like, yeah, almost every page, almost every other page has a little footnote section, and they're great because they're like they're little asides. Yeah, they're, they're like like background information filling it's, in it's like when holes. You, when you go on Wikipedia and you hover over a link to something else in an yeah. article you're reading, it gives you that little bit. It's like, yeah, I, I really like those. And they tend to be even more irreverent than the main body of text yeah. is, which is quite impressive considering how irreverent this world is. I um, I quite enjoyed them because to me it was like a quick way to add depth to the world and to explain like some of them are like, oh, this word means this or this. Begin. 
<laughs> yeah. Or like, kind of, oh, to explain what that is, I'm going to give you this short little explanation down here. But yeah. Rather than, I don't know, someone like, say, Tolkien, who was like, I'm creating a massive kind of world and universe and you're going to get all of this information, but it's going to be in the main the main text so you have yeah. to read to continue with the story this i feel is like you could completely ignore them and just read the story or yeah. you can go and add extra bits of knowledge and depth and give you a different perception on things yeah i mm. like it yeah it's one of one of his nice little um quirks of his writing <laughs> when when we're talking about quirky writing can we talk about how much it threw me that there are no fucking chapters <laughs> Yes, you do point this out actually, and I hadn't even noticed. But I can't yeah. believe you didn't notice. <laughs> uh, for me, like my reading is very much structured around like right, I'm going to read three chapters tonight before I go to bed, or I'm going to read three or four chapters. And so, like having chapters means I get <laughs> to the end of one, and I'm like, right, that's enough. Or my eyes start going when I'm reading it, and I'm like, right, I'll just get to the end of this chapter, and then I can put my my yeah. uh, bookmark in and then i'll come back to it tomorrow <laughs> having no chapters it kind of threw me that when i would stop reading i would come back and i'd be halfway through what what felt like halfway through something and I'd, <laughs> rather than, because there's no what it's not a story that's really chopped up in parts like he does the free asterisk thing occasionally yeah to say right this is a different part but they're very they're so infrequent you can't use them as a stop start you can't use that as a no no it's it's almost a stream of consciousness thing isn't it it's like it's like a like a film it's less like a like a tv episode i often find like tv episodes obviously they they cut them into nice little chunks to put the ad breaks in yeah um this is more like a film which just flows constantly from start to finish this is more like a show on netflix where you get an hour instead of 44 minutes (laughs) And you don't have to stop for ad- adverts. You don't have to build in, right, we're going to have this mini cliffhanger because we're going to the ads. We yeah. We'll come back after. It's just you've got more time and you're you're able to just tell the story in one go rather than build yeah. in these little bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, quite, I yeah. like it in as much as it's like it's the first book I've ever read that didn't have chapters. And I like, I like that kind of, no, I'm going to do my own thing. Like I don't feel the need to put chapters in. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And if people like it, people like it. If they don't, they don't. There's a very kind of punk kind of mentality to I'm just going to do what I want to do. And who cares yeah, it's going to do what and, I want to do in the way I want to do it. Yeah. And I like as much as it threw me totally, <laughs> I can't help but res- respect the fact that he's like, no, I'm not succumbing to what everybody's going to tell me I need to do. I'm just going to do my own thing. It's one of the things I like about Irv- Irving Welsh as well is the fact that he will have chapters, but every chapter will be from a different person's POV. And he's yeah. the only person I've ever read or the only books I've ever read where it does that. And I really respect, I really like it as a storytelling tool, but mm. I also respect the fact that he's like, no, this makes sense to me. Like this is the book. This is the style. This is, this makes sense to me. And this is what I want to write. And I'm just going to stand by it. And yeah, so props to Irvin Welsh and Terry Pratchett for doing what they wanted to do in the face of probably editors and publishing companies everywhere being like, no, the accepted way of doing this is to do chapters and to do one person's POV and to do this and to do that. What are you doing? You could, this is not a book. 
And he's this like, This is oh. not how you write books, damn it. Yeah. This is how I write a book, and I'm standing by it. So, yeah. <laughs> One of the things that I, I will hark back to this numerous times in my notes. You've all, you've seen my notes this week, so you, you know I'm going to hark back to this. Um, is 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 Pratchett and his dissection of uh, human nature yeah. and and the, the human condition. One of, one of the things I particularly like, which you see, it's 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 one of the themes running right the way through all of his books, is the self justifying. Um, a, a, a particularly great example of it is the self-justifying from the bad guys. Or yeah. The bad guys. The uh, el, what are they called? The elucidated brethren. brethren. I've got the full name written down here somewhere. Um, I think I get to it later on. But the elucidated brethren, uh, yeah. the, the the secret society who kind of create the peril in this in this novel. Um, they're they're self-justifying on why it's okay that they should take reve- revenge and how it's all right for them to summon a dragon because the world has just been so so very unfair to them <laughs> all those Isn't... petty little people we've all worked with those people before. oh yeah <laughs> yeah definitely like oh it's not fair this person's got this and, and i haven't got that and i'm never going to stop and look in the mirror to realize that that person earned that yeah and, you know what i mean and so, oh, yeah. it's it's so unfair that, that this person complains about this or I'm not allowed to do this that I really want to do. And it's oh, everyone's I'm being repressed. <laughs> Talking about that, I saw some my first time ever. I saw someone in an all lives matter T-shirt yesterday oh, and God. I looked at them and my initial like first I was like, fuck you. Like, what the fuck? And then I've just kind of stopped and thought, no. This is what that person wants. That person feels so insignificant in the grand scheme of things that this person wants to bait people. This person wants us to to have a row of him so he can tell us what he thinks. And really, once I realised that, I just pitied the person and just thought they were actually by engaging with them, you're justifying them. Yeah. So next time you have people on Facebook, just remember that. All all lives matterers are the sort of people that would summon a dragon. Yeah, they they yeah. are the petty, the petty little bad guys who are so put upon and so, so like emasculated by their own lack of, well, various things, usually success um, and happiness, intelligence. intelligence. You need to have a lack of intelligence if you're going to wear an All Lives Matter T-shirt, to be fair. That's true. Yeah, they, they would summon a dragon and that dragon would ha- be flying through the sky, towing a big banner saying yeah. all lives matter <laughs> until it realizes it's, until it realizes what that banner says and then it would just go and burn them all because he, yeah, even the dragon will realize that these people are pricks there are many petty people in the world that will do stupid shit because mostly because they feel like the world has screwed them and I, i'm here to tell you the world has screwed me many times but i don't i don't feel the need to screw with anybody else because exactly. of that. just get on with my That's life just, it's just life isn't it you just get on with it um in here you're a fucking you're <laughs> a legend you really are yeah fucking leg end mate a <laughs> big old foot um so on the one hand um you have the bad guys who are who are justifying their their actions their, their petty small-minded vindictiveness yeah and then like what would be a chapter or so later, you then see it mirrored by the watch who are the good guys. Yeah. 
in the in the narrative um when they reach the the mended drum and carrots in there you know like tearing Getting the place up and trying to arrest everybody um, and they come up justice, yeah yeah he just goes in there and starts like poning everybody and they're like oh well you know he probably doesn't want us getting in the way and, blah, blah. and then when they yeah. do finally go in they're in there and they're like okay right well um we should probably leave right now because you know they've got a lot of cleaning up to do and we've got to uh, we've got to process all of these arrests let's yeah. let's go <laughs> it's very much like i agree with what these people stand for but i'm not gonna like you know put myself out there and kind of like me when it comes to social justice warrior and i believe all the things i'm just not going to go on facebook and talk about it or <laughs> argue with people about it because i'd rather you know and to be fair there's much time wiser there's there's much less risk of getting a, a, a <laughs> battle axe to crotch on facebook having a go at me <laughs> but yeah you know you're right like the good they're like um it's all right. Let him do it, and then once he's done, we'll just kind of we'll we'll go in the bandwagon. Yeah. What is it? What is it? Um, Corporal Nobs, why why are you uh, why are you kicking him on the crotch when he's unconscious? And he's like, safest time to do it, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There were many one-liners that actually made me laugh. Books very rarely yeah. make me actually laugh out loud, but there are a few in this book that definitely definitely elicited a little giggle. I think I think Amy gets annoyed when I read um, Terry Pratchett because it does make me. I'll be sat there and I'll just be I'll just like giggle to myself or I'll snort at something and she's like, "What are you doing? It's time for bed. Like, stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to sleep. Like, <laughs> shouldn't you be out fucking straight white mouse? Come on, let me sleep. <laughs> I can't. They're all wearing protective pieces, just like Corporal <laughs> Carrot. <laughs> <laughs> Little, little brass underpants. <laughs> I'll tell you, there's a couple of times early in the book that he might have been put down if he weren't wearing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you mentioned the elucidated brethren of the yeah. of the Ebon Knight. Um, how many petty little secret societies like this really exist i mean we all know about like the masonic lodges and stuff like that in fact i know people i know a couple of people who are members of like freemasons and stuff like that um and if, if they're anything to go by they are not the lizard people illuminati who are running the the world behind the scenes believe me <laughs> are you, do you uh, are you one of these people that believes that there's like a secret cabal and they're uh, all lizard people no. No, I'm not. The more I watch Ancient Aliens, the more it seems to make sense to me. For fuck's sake! <laughs> I'm not saying it was aliens, but aliens. <laughs> you can't see oh, this, noble listeners, but I'm doing the I'm doing the meme. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying that this is fact. What I'm saying is you can't prove I'm wrong. So therefore, it could have been aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I love right, it. Like, that, I, is that the next? Is that the next tangent for this podcast? The next, the next spin-off series is going to be like, you can't prove it didn't happen. We're going to go into theology now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you just give me an idea. Once I've played this feminism thing out, we'll move on to that. Awesome. I can't wait to see you become a god botherer. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, um, you know, you do bother me. And, and, you know, in our podcast land, I am God. So, yeah, but. As as the devil is really like if I if I'm not bothering you I'm not doing my job right so oh, yeah that is true unless we take the Anne Rice view of it where you know you're just another employee doing an un- unpleasant job 
I'm I'm just here to stop you getting too big for your britches. Like if you get too carried <laughs> away. <my> life. <laughs> so, uh, so, hang on a minute, hang on. I've got another call coming in. It's from the 1930s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They want their word back. Come on, <laughs> Jesus, you rube. <laughs> What's wrong with bridges? Oh my god! All right, I'm here to stop you getting too big for your boots. Is that right? That works. Yes, it's still a, a word which is in use yeah. <laughs> by um, people below yeah. the age of ninety. I'm, I'm just here to keep you under control because God knows if you get carried away, the world's going to know about it. <laughs> this is me getting carried away. Damn it! I'm only like three points into my notes, and we're already over an hour in. That's I've good. got another three pages of this lot. Bring it on. <laughs> What's next? So, anyway, right. I'm talking about the, the, these, these secret lodges, yeah? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So, we know about the bigger ones. But I can, I can imagine there are others meeting in, like, in town and village hall sort of thing, having their little yeah, meeting. Oh, definitely. And I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to go along to one. Well, I'd like to go and visit a couple, actually, and see what... I would love see, to go. Just to see what the split is between, like, the people that are there just for a good time and, you know, camaraderie sort of thing to hang out with the boys. Um, the small-minded people who are looking for some kind of advantage in life, like the elucidated brethren. Um, and and this, the, the misguided few who are there who because they genuinely think that, you know, they're, they're working in the shadows, pulling the strings of, of prime ministers and presidents and things. Um, and obviously those crazy ones who think they're doing magic, but maybe I should like put the word out into the uh, WhatsApp group to ask them because like we. Well, see if I any of definitely... our space monkeys are, yeah. are part of, a, is... of, of secret societies. Yeah, no, no. Why they're part of my secret society, the space monkeys. This is this the is worst secret I'm... society ever. We don't even have robes, and that, that pink latex stuff admit... with the top hats does not count. <laughs> Hark back to an earlier episode, listeners. That's that's apparently the Space Monkey official uniform. Yeah, but like, what? Like, why do we have to buy into robes? Are the only way to do it? Why can't we wear like hot pink leather catsuits and gimp masks? Look, because if I'm going to turn up to a secret society, okay, and do all this secret society bullshit, I want robes. To be fair, when to be fair, when I read your note, I was like, I'm with him on that, and the the first thing I want to do is wear some robes. The second thing I want to do is figure out how many of these people are true believers. And the third thing I want to do is try to subvert this for my own my own game. I mean, surely the first thing you should do is be making sure that the dread portal is suitably sealed against unbelievers. <laughs> yeah, but then I wouldn't be I able to enter. I think that's the actual quote, but it's close enough. <laughs> but then I wouldn't be able to enter these secret societies, would I? Because oh, no, I'd be sceptical. Because until they've given me their propaganda, they're, they're like manifesto i don't know whether i believe in them or not until they until they've had a really good look at you <laughs> yeah been like no, <laughs> they've had you. A propaganda <laughs> yeah, yeah. they'll just send like i imagine there's like some kind of application form you have to fill in and it'll be like what can you bring to our secret society and I, my only thing i can really say is like i will pimp you on the podcast and then they'll go and listen to the podcast and be like i do not want you i do not want that you trying to pimp us in your art uh, unarticulate mess of a way no. be like be like oh what can you bring to our secret society um i cook a mean barbecue for the uh, secret society summer cookout there you yeah, go i can Everyone do that their skill. I, I can do that <laughs> i didn't think that. i mine was either talk about them on a podcast or just you know having a big dick 
but I can I can absolutely do the barbecue. Yeah. One of those can, yeah. you can do badly, and one of those is a lie. I'm not gonna, you know. Yeah. To be fair, <laughs> if anyone wants to know, if you Google micro penis, my <laughs> mine is the third picture that comes up. <laughs> the one with the Star Wars bread spread in the background. Yeah. That's the one that proves I'm a feminist. <laughs> <laughs> so well we were doing uh, so yeah. well we nearly made it through the first page of my notes without descending back into that ghastly <laughs> mess sorry i'm trying to be sensible i'm trying um, I, um, I, have a, I have a very small note here so which just, we, wait should we uh, actually should we put the word out if any seat people in secret societies hear this we would love to come along and we will not we will not be bait we will not like yeah yeah that's the, I would very be, much, if there's any, if anyone from a secret society or we won't so, talk about it, it, it on the pod. We just, per, in our personal life, we would like to experience it, and we will never talk well, about I it. I would like, to, I would like to talk about it on the pod. I would do a special episode. I would keep everything hush hush and anonymous, but I would very much like to, even just speak to some of these people. If you're part of some secret society, a lodge, a cabal, a coven, any of this, this that sort of thing, just you know, I'm genuinely interested in it. Just because it's a genuinely interesting thing to hear about in yeah. in this modern society, you know. Coming soon. Tajik presents secret societies. Tajik presents don't drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> the drink brands are available. I would like, yeah. Because not all secret societies are cults, but I would like, yeah. I would quite like to go to some secret societies, see what they're all about. Maybe go to some cults, see what they're all about. Yeah. I think it would be a good experience. I'm all about experiences, and I think both of them would be fun, different experiences. Yeah, I can even bring my own robes because I have some. (laughs) They're not sewn with occult and arcane sigils, but they're just Jedi robes. But you know, I can get get some Jedi robes if they count. (laughs) They would do. We're only visitors. Yeah. Um, I I have a note here which is just says the description of the rain pattering. Somewhat incestuously into the sea. <laughs> I did. I did well, bumped into is not the right way to put it. I did stop on that line and reread it a second time. Like yeah, so did uh, I. I was I like, really like that. that's that's yeah. No, I like that. I, it, yeah. it kind of comes out of nowhere as well. Yeah. Because I think it's the only incest like <laughs> joke he makes. It's definitely in this book. And possibly within the entire series. I don't recall him mentioning that. <laughs> like for the rest of like the, the 41 books or whatever it is. And it just kind of, it, it almost stands out for being so out of place. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, you're reading along and it's all like going in one direction. And all of a sudden there's like a incestuous joke about rain and the sea. And it's like, Oh, I see what you've done there. Yeah. You, it's very clever. You've made <laughs> a very clever link between like all water and how one wall was going into the other water. And, You've made an incest joke about it. That's not going to offend anyone, unless people were like in a secret society that's pro-war. <laughs> so basically, what he's done there is what you wish you could do. Oh yeah, I'm not that smart. <laughs> like, like a smart incest joke. <laughs> yeah. I am not that smart. I just have to go for the lowest common denominator. <laughs> uh, Sam Vimes, Captain Samuel Vimes. Oh. Uh, stating here that he is one of my favourite literary creations ever, um, I I absolutely love Sam Vimes. Um, if you read if, out your note, 
I'm going to. I'm getting there. Jesus. No, no, no. It's just because your note, your note is like my biggest fear in life. Like turning into sand vines is my biggest fear in life. But if you read your note, it will become evident. I will read my note. Yeah. Sand vines, if you take away the police connotations, is a perfect example of the basically decent, downtrodden everyman that has been the staple of British literature for centuries and the backbone of the entire country forever. The sort of chap that goes out to work, keeps his head down, never seems to really catch a break, but carries on regardless and generally lives out a tiny life in obscurity, chasing tiny dreams. That, I'm I'm reading that back. Man. Reading that back, it sounds far more depressing and, yeah. and miserable than that. that it, again, this is what I said at the beginning. I'm worried about not articulating what I mean. And no, yeah, that but, is a prime example. <laughs> yeah, but we can expand on it now and you can talk it through, which means that the you will be able to. The sort of the blokes down the pub in the flat cap and the donkey jacket, you know, they do the dog work. They're, they're, they're the people that keep society running. I suppose in this day and age that you, you, you're talking about your frontline workers, yeah. Um, given the the current atmosphere situation. of the uni- of yeah the current situation, yeah, they're your, your 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 supermarket workers, the people who are out still cleaning the streets and and fixing your your bloody broadband connection and stuff like that. They're the people, uh, and that's why I say about the, the 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 tiny life in obscurity and chasing their tiny dreams. These are the people who they aren't on Facebook making videos. They aren't on TikTok. They aren't um, out there marching for stuff. They're just quietly getting on with their lives in in the background of everything. Not just because yeah. you know everyone has stuff going on in the background, and everyone is somebody else's background noise. These are the background to everything and everyone. You know they're not the foreground. Probably not even in their own stories. They're they're, they're NPCs. They're supporting characters in their own the lives of their own stories. Almost. This is my biggest fear in life: <laughs> is that I live my life and die in obs- not not die in obscurity, but die having never achieved one of my big dreams. Mm. Like you know me better than anybody, really, and you'll know that I have delusions of grandeur. Like the second, like it's Our listeners know that. <laughs> like it's not too much of a like. I make jokes about how we're going to start Project May and we're going to do all these different things and we're going to take over Costa and stuff like that. But it's not really truly far away from like my reality of me being like, oh, I'm going to not. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a New York Times bestseller. Yeah, like, it's not enough for me to just write a book and have it go out there and have a few people say, "Yeah, it's good. I enjoyed it." Like, in order for me to feel it's a success, it has to be a New York Times bestseller. You, you want a po- you want podcasters talking about it twenty years later? Yeah, <laughs> I want people saying like, "Right, this is oh, this is my thing." This is what I forgot to say earlier because I was too busy trying to make jokes that were shit. Um, <laughs> you said like like. Discworld and Terry Pratchett helped you for a really kind of dark time in your life, right? Mm. And I'm going to go against everything I said and I'm going to shout it out again because it is totally fucking on point for this conversation. This, that's what I love about Tell Them Steve Dave, right? After, like, I was a fan of it before, but after my dad passed, it was basically the only thing that made me smile for like the first six months. There were various people in my life that could elicit a smile but outside of like the people that are closest to me 
that was the only thing that I could put on and then escape. Mm. And so it holds a very dear part in my life because it helped me get through that. Right. I don't just want to do this podcast because people will text me on a Wednesday and be like, oh, this is funny. I would like <laughs> one day for someone to be like, you know what? I was going for a bad patch and I listened to you claim to be a feminist and it <laughs> smile. Like it helped me get through that. That to me is like a grand ambition is to have people be like, I it helped me out in a bad place and it got me through it. Yeah. Because you were just talking absolute shit. That's why like being like Samuel Vimes, being that person that just gets up and goes through his life and doesn't really affect the world and then will die having unaffected it is my worst nightmare. That's because being average, I think, that's it. Being average is my worst average, nightmare. Average, yeah. I have, there's a part of me that needs to be special at some point, otherwise I'm going to die feeling un- unfulfilled. <laughs> well, I think I can probably help there because you are definitely special. Well, You're not average. You are you are below average in <laughs> almost every aspect. I mean, like you said, except I've known you a very dick. long time. Except for my big so, dick. That's except for that big micro penis, of course. <laughs> yeah, sorry, last I big dick. Except for my micro penis. That's way under average. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like those those sorts of characters. He, I mean, obviously in this in this series, he becomes a hero. Even yeah. by the end of his book, he's become, you know, you, you see the, the his his change, his character arc. Um, but he is just one of those. He's just yeah. one of those people. He seems to have had it slightly worse than the most. But um, yeah, those I suppose that's it. The average people. And yeah. I think something this book does a marvellous job of um, is it mentions the, the, the citizens of Ankh-Morpork quite a lot and, and their collective kind of attitude and mentality. Yeah. And they are the average people and they become through being part of that city themselves and just going on in obscurity and, and having their, their mediocre lives. They become the biggest character in this book. Oh yeah. One of my favorite social commentaries in this book is when the whole city gets excited about the coronation and you suddenly yeah. start talking to random citizens and they're all like, Oh yes, it, I'm a monarchist. I think this is going to be good. And then other people were just. Bloody time we had we had a royal family again. Yeah. And, like, and then other people were just like, oh, I don't see how it can be a bad thing. Yeah, I'm all for it. And it's like, oh, okay. So yeah, you're all like these people that kind of just jump bandwagon, jump from lily pad to lily yeah. pad, depending on what society thinks. They, okay. they just get swept up in the in the momentum you know you get some you get this small group who are really enthusiastic about something and and that enthusiasm becomes contagious and before you know it you've got half you've got like i don't know 52 percent of a country just plucking a random number out there jumping on the bandwagon of something that's a really bad idea brexit (laughs) see i was just gonna leave it vague i was vague book in there (laughs) no because i think it's the problem the problem is that we're like especially with brexit it's that like there is no factual evidence to read it's Mm. all you're hearing is the agenda of either party involved so one the the brexiters are like yeah we we believe this we believe that the politicians that don't want it to happen are like no 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 it's going to do this it's going to do that but the truth of the matter is you're not going to know what it's going to do until we do it 
the only way you're going to find out is by doing it. And then if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. But to but many people were like, oh, I heard on I heard this on the news the other day, so I'm I'm voting to leave. I read the Daily Mail, and the Daily Mail said we got a problem with too many fucking immigrants. So I'm going to vote to Brexit to stop the immigrants. When 90% of these people that have got this opinion are probably people that don't deal with immigrants on a daily basis, have never got to know any. Know they, any they are have the never everyman we've just been them. discussing. They yeah. are those people we've just been discussing. They're like, the Daily Mail said this, so this is what I'm voting. And it's like, fucking hell. I I have a, had a long-held belief that um, it's more like the Star Trek kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Philosophy. The Star Trek philosophy of like, when we all come together and we're all human together and we don't kind of judge people on the colour of the skin or their sexuality or anything, when we all accept that we're human, mm. we can come out, we can achieve amazing things. Is that, am I taking the wrong the wrong message well, from that, that's, original that's Star Trek. one of the best messages to take from that yeah <laughs> we can achieve incredible things and go out into space and do wondrous things if yeah. we all come together and until we all come together this world is just going to be a fractured mess where people there's, get left behind there's a i don't think it's mentioned in this book but um they do discuss uh racism in some of the later books especially in, in the young Morpork books uh, because obviously it's, it's unavoidable in a big city setting like that. But the racism they have is actually genuine racism. Well, it's more speciesism because it's stated in one of them that they don't care what color your skin is. When the guy next to you is a, is a two foot tall dwarf, there's a gnome on his shoulder and there's a bloody great troll who's actually made of stone, you know, trying to rob you. So they, they don't care about that. And it's, they have racism, but they've kind of evolved. It's an evolved racism. Yeah. <laughs> Because they dislike people based on the fact that they're a completely different species rather than the fact that their skin is darker than mine, which is, while still stupid, it is highlighted how stupid it is, um, obviously, in the book. Isn't there, I can't remember the name of the people, but they turn on some people at some point in this book. Um, Everyone turns on. (laughs) No, 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 there's, well, am I missing the point? There's Cardulli, I can't remember the name. Sorry, I should have written this down beforehand, but I didn't think we'd be talking about race on on this episode. Um, yeah, <laughs> come on, move on to your next point. I'm okay. going nowhere with this. Uh, the scenes. There's a there's a scene where Corporal Nobby and Sergeant Colon. Yeah, <laughs> and, awesome and saying names. those names. I've been reading those names for years. Yeah, and I've read them so many times. You just don't, and then you say them out loud, and you realise how ridiculous they actually sound. Yeah, but um, a lot of the names in this. A quiet, ridiculous. Oh yeah, I've yeah. I've got a note coming up actually about the naming things in this. Yeah. Um, but but uh, a couple of knobs, isn't it? Not Nobby. Nobby is his first name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the scenes where they are being discreet and they're oh, yeah, they're yeah, playing yeah. clothes. They're in plain clothes. Um, when <laughs> and they're referring to when they get drunk while they're out detectoring. Um, and in their drunken states, they refer to each other as not Corporal Nobby and not yeah. Sergeant Colon. <laughs> I when I read that. that, the most striking analogy I, I made was that that could be you and me. Yeah. Just well, out somewhere being discreet. <laughs> not podcaster Rooney. Yes. <laughs> not podcaster Steve. Yeah. Yes. Not co-host Steve of this yeah. podcast. <laughs> yeah. 
we'd start out with good intentions. We'd have two drinks and then that we'd, we'd just be like that. And everyone would be avoiding us because it'd be quite obvious what we were doing. Yeah, it'd be quite <laughs> obvious. We're just a couple of pricks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I read that in your notes um, and I was like, he's hit the now on the head right there. Yeah. Um, we were saying about the, the names. Um, and I yeah. love Discworld sort of naming conventions. I've got a couple of examples here, which again, because you've seen my notes, you've probably already seen them. Yeah. Um, there's there's a couple of them that I mentioned in this book, and I think one of them I took from the the broader spectrum of Discworld names. Yeah. Um, Jimkin Bearhugger's Old Selected Dragon's Blood Whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can't get that in Tesco next to your bloody Captain Morgan's. Um, Burley and Strong in the Arm, Crossbow Makers to the Nobility. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here it is. The Unique and Supreme Lodge of the Elucidated Brethren of the Ebon Knight. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, try saying that when you're pissed. And That's an even worse name than till the joy is gone. They can't <laughs> even replace a word and give it a whole new meaning. You know what I mean? <laughs> what would it be? The Tusleben. Tusleben. Yeah, that's even, that's even a worse abbreviation than Tusleben. Even worse than I'm um, quite getting into Tusleben uh, now. To be fair, it works. It works. Yeah. It's easier to remember than our whole fucking thing. It's also much quicker to write. Oh yeah. <laughs> And one of the places that Vimes goes to get something to eat, Gimlet's Whole Foods Delicatessen. And this one only really works when it's written down. Yeah. Because whole is not written with a W. It's just a hole. Yeah. As in a hole in the wall or a hole in the shoe. Gimlet's Whole Foods Delicatessen. <laughs> there's, there's numerous things. Oh, the other one that, that um, as I'm saying, uh, comes to mind is the, uh, the Sunshine Sanctuary for Sick and Abandoned uh swamp dragons yeah yeah i, I love that <laughs> my um my favorites were like some of the dwarf names because they're oh, just yeah. so they're just so like i'm gonna explain exactly what they are and put it into a name like like strong in the arm and yeah but my absolute favorite name in the whole book is once <laughs> lupine it, wants yeah because his entire arc is that he wants yeah yeah it's one of those little puns that you sort of like you, you read that i mean i i've read i've read this book maybe six or seven times over the years um and i think it was only about the third or fourth time that i actually picked up on that and i was like oh my god <laughs> yeah i loved it it's very like i always i always find names hard but it terry pratchett has cracked the names in this oh yeah cracked them um, he had a wonderful, uh, a wonderful wit. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Very British as wit as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, most of most of his humour and references are are very English in in nature. I, that was one of the things that I really appreciated about the book was its its Britishness and mm. how it and how it kind of. I I guess you were right when you said like the seventies, the eighties were the kind of jump off point for this because. Mm there are it makes me nostalgic like so much of the stuff i consume now is like american and comes from other places and that's all well and good but when i read a book like this that's got so many kind of britishisms that i heard as a kid yeah like stuff that yeah. my dad would say things like that my grandparents would say and yeah it, it's very nostalgic it takes me right back to like the 80s and the early 90s and kind of like it reminds me a lot and I, I know you mentioned 
one of the characters later on, but it did. It kind of takes me back to like Only Fools and Horses. Mm. If I come across an episode of that, I mean, that's something that I bonded with my dad about. He loved that program and it reminds me of him. So I'm a bit biased towards it, but <laughs> it's so unapologetically British. Oh, yeah. And it comes coming from a time frame where we weren't a global society, really. We we were still segmented into like... Oh, yeah. We were oh, still we're a very much a, a small... Well, I mean, yeah, small-minded. But it was, yeah, very much an island mentality. And you weren't concerned with what was going on overseas or even in the next county over. You were concerned with what was going on with your neighbour or yeah. the shop down the road. And it was that sort of, yeah, very narrow, small world mentality. Yeah, it takes me back. Yeah, it takes me back to being a kid. There's so much yeah. nostalgic Britishness in it. I love it. Right, my next note. Now you may have to bear with me, not just you, but the listeners as well, because I'm going to do a touch jig special here, and okay. I'm going deep. I'm going deep, deep into this. Just like all this single white mouth. Just like all those buttholes. Straight white mouth. Yeah. <laughs> right. Pseudopolis Yard. Now. This is the, 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 the property that uh, Lady Ramkin gives donates to the watch to use as their new HQ after the dragon destroys um, their previous one. Now, it is an in-your-face reference that is never actually acknowledged by the characters or the book or even, one, even in one of the little footnotes. Yeah. And it's actually, when you start drilling down into it, it's very clever. Now, Sidopolis on the Discworld, is the nearest city to Ankh-Morpork. And in the strange way that the Discworld is a reflection of the real world, and with Ankh-Morpork being basically England, it becomes analogous to Scotland. So Pseudopolis is Scotland in this thing, which then makes it even better that the Watch's HQ is called Pseudopolis Yard, referencing the Met Police's HQ being Scotland Yard. Then you look at the word, take it from a completely different angle, break the word down. Pseudo means fake or pretend. Then you look at the latter part of the word. And in this way, in this bit, you have to read it very literally as it's written rather than look at the meaning behind it. Because uh, polis in Latin, I believe, means city. Right. Or some variation around that. So you've got the first word, which effectively means fake or pretend. And the second part of pseudopolis is basically a misspelling of police. So you put the two together and you've got fake police. Yeah. <laughs> which is the city watch. <laughs> yeah, considering that they don't actually uphold the law until a carrot comes along, they are the fakest, most rubbish <laughs> police officers in the world. Yeah. It's just like, and that's, it's something that, I, you know, I, I'd appreciated the, the, the name of it before. And I was like, oh yeah, very funny. And then sort of in this, when I was rereading it and taking notes and things, I, I did. I, I sort of it, it twigged, and I sat here and I spent about an hour, to, like you know, trying to put that into a way that I could express across to people that would make sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm sure there are other references like this scattered, probably even throughout this book that I just haven't had the time to dig into and or have yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's very, very clever. Mm. Very clever. I love it when it's kind of it's the same thing we said about say like wonder woman and starship troopers it's like it presents itself as one thing and you can take it as that you can take it as this funny reverent book but then you can pay a bit more attention and realize the skill and the wit and all of their little things that 
he kind of thought up as mm-hmm. he was writing and weaved into the into the narrative that gives it extra layers of depth and extra layers of like there were going to be people that read that book and have probably read that book more than once and never noticed what you just said yeah but then they could listen to this podcast and if they're still listening past the intro <laughs> they'll hear that and they'll be like wow i never saw i never saw that i never that i never i never bumped into that word or i never put two and two together and you like there are depth there's depth and there's layers to like he's writing that yeah. aren't evident on first read and i think yeah. that i like that i like it when there's you can take something as one thing but then if you apply yourself and you pay attention you can notice that it's actually something completely different yeah i i, I have a, a tendency especially when reading um Discworld, because to me it's 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 like putting on a, a favorite coat or something these days, yeah. returning to the Discworld, um, even with novels that I haven't read before. And I have a tendency to just dive headfirst into them. Yeah. And, you know, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll uh, binge read it and I'll get it done like in a couple of evenings sort of thing. And then I'll go back and read it like a, maybe a year or so later. And then I start picking up on these subtleties. And to be honest, if if one person listens to this and appreciates that Sidopolis Yard um, investigation <laughs> then uh, I've done then this episode has been success as far as I'm concerned <laughs> if you do reach out let him know it'll, it'll make his day it'll make my day it'll make up um, for all the jokes I made from I made about it earlier. <laughs> um, one of one of the best analogies okay. I have ever heard or read is like a like the damp hides of a pedigree herd being slapped across a cliff in reference to the sound of a dragon's wings. <laughs> I have to admit, I didn't notice that line until until I read your notes. So I, I read that and I was like, and my brain instantly pieced together what that would sound like. And I was like, huh, no, yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> one of those things that shouldn't make sense, but does. <laughs> I am. Um, I'm really looking forward to reading this book again. Mm. This was the first time I'd encountered Terry Pratchett. It was the first time I'd kind of gone into the this world. Yeah. And I I think I think this book actually needs two or three reads to really appreciate everything about it. And it yeah. needs it needs I'm looking forward to reading it for entertainment, not because yeah. we're covering it. Because we were covering it and because I actually completely lost track of time. I thought we had an extra week and I had to kind of binge it in a few days there was an element of not being able to kind of reflect yeah as much as i was just like i've got to read this book i need to know what happens i need to get to the end i need to kind of come up (laughs) with some thoughts and opinions so we can talk about it whereas i think next time i read it it will be purely for fun it'll be there'll be less time constraints it'll be entertainment this is why i like to like when we cover films i like to watch it once for entertainment and then once to actually make notes on it yeah i can't do that with a book i wish i wish i'd read this twice because i think the second time around i would have it would have i would have known beforehand what i was getting into and what to look out for and you don't have that period of mental adjustment because you already know i think the first i mean it um, took me 150 pages before i was like (laughs) no i'm in yeah like the first 150 pages i was kind of like i don't really see what rooney loves about this like he's a smart person why is this and then after about 150 pages it kind of clicked and i was like yeah oh 
oh oh i get it now <laughs> I, totally un- I totally get it i need yeah and then i was quite i was like enthusiastic about finishing it after up, up to that point it was like i'm doing it for the podcast you yeah. gotta do it for the podcast but after about 150 pages i was like no i'm in i'm in i'm bought in i'm and i want to read more terry pratchett i want to learn more about the Discworld now yeah i i the first book i read the first project book was uh pyramids which i think is like book three or four in the series um and that yeah that took i read that and i enjoyed it and then i started reading more of them um but i went back and i read that i've read that one probably only two or three times and like the the second or third time i went back and reread it i read it a few years back um you know it's like a nostalgia thing because it was the first one i'd read and it's one of the older books and yeah i appreciated it in a whole new way going back and revisiting it because when yeah. i started reading these i was like what 18 or something yeah. um in fact probably not enough probably 17 i would imagine um so yeah going back now and reading it with my adult eyes and you know pre- like you said pre- i was prepared now for the yeah, going in you were prepared for what it was so you you didn't have to like you said again like make the mental adjustment to really yeah. appreciate what it was like yeah. going in i was kind of like there were i was texting you about grammar i was like yeah. <laughs> i was like am i right with this bit i've never seen this bit of grammar written anywhere ever in my entire life am i yeah. right in assuming it means this and you're like yeah i'm not a grammar <laughs> person but like i just i just never seen that before so i'm texting you like does this mean this and you're like yeah, yeah and I I was like, okay. that's actually a unique thing that he does so i've not I, i've not seen that done anywhere else where he drops the first letter in a word or like a whole section of a word where you wouldn't normally rather than it being at the end you drop g's and d's and things like that but dropping like the first section of it so is just becomes yeah it's more like (laughs) it's like when you're saying like amulet (laughs) yeah or like this lights oh this lights oh i can't do it i can't even do it no um it's it's the best one I can think of is uh, in one of the later books. There's there's some uh, criminals that are doing something. I can't remember exactly what. And one of them swears constantly. But obviously yeah. this is Harry Pratchett, so you can't have that. And it's the way I get away with swearing in front of my six year old, Kinel. Right. Yeah. Well, Kinel, you do that for you, kin idiot. And you basically yeah. just drop the whole fuck part. So you just <laughs> you've got an apostrophe. And a kin, but you, you, the silent become the silent bit becomes an aggressive silence. You kin idiot, kin yeah. L. <laughs> it's one of my favourite things to do. <laughs> Unfortunately, I know Cody's going to pick up on doing that at some point. But then yeah. he's not really swearing, so you know. No. I um I can't remember. I have a vague recollection. I'm not sure whether I'm confusing this world with Wheel of Time, but years and years ago when I was like early teens i remember ben was like i got a feeling he was he was saying to me like you've got to read this these books like this world books it's set on a disc on top of a turtle on stands yeah. on top of two elephants and i was just like four elephants i was like mm, yeah whatever elephants <laughs> i was just like no i don't think no. i'm gonna <laughs> i don't think i'm gonna invest i was not a reader then anyway and it would have been like it would have taken me a year to get through one of them books <laughs> So, but I have a vague recollection of that, and then I kind of met you 
maybe a couple of years later and you start talking about it and i was just like there must be something to these books like somebody i respected at that point was talking about it and somebody i respect now is talking about it maybe i should give it a go and i never got around to it so i was really grateful when you were like we're, we're gonna read terry pratchett i was like oh, okay so yeah it's <laughs> my excuse. excuse to do it <laughs> yeah it's my excuse to read it and i i like i said it took me a while to get my head around it but once i did i yeah i thoroughly enjoyed it that's good to hear i was really worried when like when initial feedback started coming in from you and and the space monkeys and people were just like mm, yeah i mean i'm not really getting it and i was sitting there thinking oh god how can you no no don't right, right we'll do a different book we'll do something yeah. else we'll do spot goes to the beach <laughs> you, had your, you, you had your first tusk moment yeah i did yeah. <laughs> it's 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 quite like i'm looking back i'm shocked at the way i kind of i reacted but it's a very real thing when you love something and it's such a big part of your life then somebody so people that you like come along and they're like i don't get it it kind of makes you it makes you question you're like am i am i really wrong no i'm not even when i came at it with when i when i came at it and sold it to you as one thing and you still didn't buy into it i was like no i can't do this i can't have <laughs> shit all over something i love you, on a podcast you, you think having people um you know questioning the things you like you want you want to try being a star trek fan during the mid 90s at secondary school mate now that 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 yeah gives you thick but, skin and i respect the character that, that you built <laughs> through them five years but Oh, I do because you did. You did. Like you've turned into somebody that's got character. You don't get put off very easily. Oh yeah, that but, was character building. <laughs> but like, you bought it on yourself. You could have been a Star Trek fan and not worn your Star Trek badge on your blazer. Like, I could have. You could have been a Star Trek fan and not worn the alien belt buckle. But mm-hmm. you did these things, and then, and then you had to walk through the fire for them. Yeah, yeah, I know. The thing is, what, what. <sighs> I don't, I don't really want to delve into this, especially not now because we have a lot of notes to go through. But I I have the same view now as I did then in that I should be able to do those things. I shouldn't have to get flack because I'm wearing something representative of what I like. Um, you know, ki- kids at the time, no, if I someone agree. came in wearing a Blur T-shirt, you know, for non-uniform day, they didn't get shit for oh. that. And it's like, well, that's just something you like. Oh, no, they wouldn't get shit for that. They wouldn't shit from you, yes, but um... <laughs> to be fair, I totally agree with you. Like, it was I had a job once, and I butted heads with someone, and one of the things they told me that they didn't like about me was the <laughs> fact that I would wear Alex Party t-shirts to work. Now, anybody that's that knows who Alex Party is understands his art. It's twisted. All of it is twisted in some way, shape, or form. And uh, yeah, I went for a massive like obsession with Alex Party. I've got. I got his art all over my walls in my room, um, and I basically bought every. Yeah, you've got some. I bought. I was going to say, there's, there's one. Presents. You can't see it because I've got my, my screen exactly. thing on. But the yeah. slime is there. Yeah, <laughs> I bought you some as presents, and I bought some for Amy, and I bought some for Stacey and Ash as presents because I just love Alex Party, and I want to put the word out there. But why? Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that really, like, I can understand when my attitude, my non-person ability, if that is a word, but my my personality brushes up wrongly with someone i can totally understand that i can completely be like look 
I understand I'm not for everyone and some people mm. will dislike me because of who I am and that's fine because I'm not I am special in my own way <laughs> but to have a go at me about the and to point out the clothes I wear and to start saying that yeah. is one of the reasons I don't like you I was just like I really bumped into that that really got me for a long time and for a while it changed my it changed the way I behaved it, it kind of put me in a position where like I was slightly more conservative I didn't open my mouth I was, one of the reasons I stopped talking so much was because I was like yeah. I don't want people to judge me on who I am which is why it's it means a lot that I come on this podcast and talk and put my <laughs> opinions out in the world because I know that at some point I'm going to get flack from I'm stronger I don't care I don't give a fuck what people think anymore but it definitely shook my confidence for a while and I don't think you should have had to have gone through that at school for being proud of who you are. But lots of people, Dal got shit for at school for being who he was. And we weren't mature. We we were young. Any chance to make fun of somebody was a chance that we didn't we didn't like kind of let go. Especially oh, in the yeah. group of friends that we had. Like I saw yeah. Jim inviscerate Dal in so many classes that I look back on it now and I'm like, that was fucking bullying. But at the time I was like egging him on. And so you grow up, you mature, you realise the things you did as kids that you thought were harmless were actually incredibly harmful. Um, how do we get on to this? I have no idea. Um, no, yeah. We, the last note we <laughs> had note. was the fucking quick, analogies. Quick, quick right, next, note. next one, quick. Go. Right. One, of, right, one of my favourite things to do when reading a Pratchett book for the first time, which is something, well, not necessarily a Pratchett book, but definitely Discworld books um which is something which is becoming increasingly hard to do since um he'll never write another one yeah um is to try yeah rest in peace indeed um is to try and figure out some of the twists in the story yeah yeah because he he always has more than one and they usually have some big impact on the story in like the last i think i said this in the um in the group chat in in the group chat that the, the last hundred or so pages of a, of a Discworld novel tend to be a real roller coaster. The brakes are off and everything kind of just crashes this, in at the end. This book does feel like any roller coaster you go on, basically, when you you get in there, you sit there, you're nervous, you're excited, you're like, oh, this. And you start going up the ramp very, yeah. very slowly. The first, say, 100, 250 pages feels like you're on that ramp, you're going up, you're going up, you're going yeah. up. Yeah. And then you hit a point where you're at the top and you're like, you take a deep breath. And then the last 150 pages is that first drop. Yeah. I said in the chat that I I tend to get to that point where you're about to hit the drop. And then I'll make sure I've got a clear run, a a good hour or so, so that I can just read the whole end in one go. Because that's the best way to do it, because it's a constant thing. And I like trying to figure out where these twists are going to come from and little subtle things. And you're like, okay, well, how is that? That's clearly something because he kind of highlights them. I mean, in this one, Errol, yeah. the swamp dragon, um, you know, something's going to happen. Yeah. You know that his his stomach being all weird is something to do with the fi- with the finale. Yeah. But trying to figure out exactly what. How? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How is this going to happen? My, <laughs> and then he does it in a completely unexpected way anyway. My favorite part of this is uh, on this theme of twists and not knowing what's going to come is. I was convinced Carrot was king. Um, <laughs> I mean, in, in the group chat, like, I can't wait to find out who the king is. And I'm reading it, and I'm like, 
the other day and I'm like, well, what, what, I don't know what he meant by that because obviously Carrot's going to be the king. Carrot was <laughs> like kind of found <laughs> abandoned in the woods and at one point yeah. he the dwarf, but he's going to come to town. He's going to realize who he is and eventually <laughs> at the end of the book he's going to be making. And yeah, when that didn't happen, well, when it didn't happen as fact, kind of <laughs> he is king. And you kind of have to speculate and jump to a conclusion yourself. Yeah. That was incredibly refreshing. It, it, as a it doesn't book. happen in a very, it, it very significantly doesn't happen. Yeah. It doesn't happen in such a way that it makes it unavoidable sort of to notice it. When the king not... slash queen dragon is kind of laying there and they're all like, we've got to go and finish him. Like, that's the bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading it like, Carrot's going to go do it. Carrot's going to go kill him and become king. <laughs> and then he doesn't. And I'm he doesn't. Just, I'm, he arrests it. <laughs> I'm like reading through it, like flipping pages, like, come on, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? And the fact, yeah, like you said, the fact that he doesn't kill it and become king and he just arrests it because... Arrests the dragon. <laughs> yeah, that's what he does. And it's like, go get some rope. We'll tie it up. And then I can't remember if it's Nobby or Colon comes back with the... Uh, I'm I'm just like firstly comical we're going to tie it up (laughs) secondly you're going to do it with a washing line but yeah I love it like what is it at at the end oh you froze there Um, I I love it like at the end where um, he's talking to the patrician after he's he's escaped from his own dungeon and uh, he takes, he's like, oh, can I see your sword sort of thing? And he's looking at, and it's like, oh, yeah, hmm, yeah, very nice yeah. sword. And gives it back. And he's just like, the patrician clearly knows. Yeah. And the only one who's kind of, the only one who doesn't even have any inkling of it is Carrot. And it's yeah. like, just. <laughs> it's like everyone around him is like, there's something special about this kid. I don't know what it is, but something, there is. Something def- noble. Yeah. <laughs> And then, yeah, you get a bit with the patrician and he's like looking at a sword and he's like, ah, oh, okay. Like he doesn't know until he, until he knows he's not a threat. Yeah. So we'll just let him go, go on like in ignorance. But then there's the bit at the end when they're talking about, I can't, Nobby or Colon says something like, yeah, I thought a king should have like a, you know, birthmark or something like that. <laughs> and Carrot's like, yeah, I've got a birthmark. looks a bit like a crown. And you're like, <laughs> ah, that's the bit. Uh, kind of led up the garden path of, is he, is he, is he, is he? Yeah. And then you get that bit and you're like, uh, he is, but he's not going to tell us he is. You, yeah. You've got to kind of figure it out. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that twist. That was my favourite one. Pratchett does that. He loves to play with traditional fantasy uh, tropes, as we see in this, the virgin that they decide to sacrifice yeah. to the dragon. Lady Sybil Ramkin, who's in her 40s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he loves to play with these traditional tropes and and heavily, heavily mixes it with his, his unique wit and this very English humour. Yeah. And you get something which is, is quite unique, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you alluded to this one earlier. Uh, I'm going to put this out there to the, to the multiverse. Does every world in the multiverse have a Dell boy? Or, as seen here, cut me own throat Dibbler. I loved him. He, he was like, he was one of my top three characters in the whole book. Yeah. Because he is he's a great he's so character. He, he, he is another one. Goes through all the Ankh-Morpork Pork stories. He is in every one of them set in that city. And even oh, a couple okay. of in the city. <laughs> so he, he kind of just turns up ran, randomly in all the 
in all the books. Yeah, right? I think he's oh, awesome. I think he's the main character in one of them. He gets almost his own book. Um, but yeah, I think I think the, the Adele boy archetype is yeah. is one of the universal constants throughout yeah. the multiverse. <laughs> I I think it's like kind of these. I don't see it as kind of. I don't. You don't see them. Like when I was a kid, when I was a kid, you could go buy. You could go get a video of a film that was out of the cinema out yeah. of someone's boot. Like my yeah. dad would often have me in the car and drive and he'd get in the car with a video. He's just met somebody, got out of his yeah. boot or cigarettes or like you, there were these people around when I was a kid that if you wanted something and you didn't want to go and pay the full price, that person could get it for you. Yeah. I don't see those kinds. I don't, I don't know whether it's just like my life, the way my, I'm living my life or whatever, but I don't, feel like i come across people like that now that kind of mentality now has been adopted by like fucking drug dealers like that entrepreneurial kind of outside (laughs) system i'm not paying tax it's really something that like basic commodities like you could always cut these people slack because they're they were offering you like basic commodities Mm. that not everybody could afford yeah like a family wants to wants to watch a family film but you can't afford to take all four people to the all four members of your family to the cinema but yeah. half price you could get it on a vi- on a dodgy video like that <laughs> i know it was like minor pirating I'm, i have a big problem with pirating these days and the effects it's had on um the creative arts shall we say but that was very that was so minor that wasn't really costing people that much industries were still able to pump money into things regardless of that it but, was very much like, a cottage industry at that yeah point. The, the the supply of basic basic commodities in life that seems that kind of mentality seems to have just been replaced now with like online entrepreneurship yeah like etsy or drug dealers so like you, you don't <laughs> get these kind of dodgy del boy characters so much i did get life. where was it i think it was in the town center uh last year year before um, I was heading back to the car. Amy and Cody were already in the car. I think I was. I returned the trolley. It must have been up in Asda. And I returned the trolley and was heading back to the car. And this geezer's like, oh, mate, I've got something. Come on, can you come and have a look at something? And I was like, uh, yeah, okay. He's like, no, I've got something perfect for you, perfect for you. And I'm like, okay. So yeah, just give me a hand with this. And so I'm following back and I'm like, what does he want? Help putting something in his boot or something? And he pops up his boot and he's got a range of knockoff uh polo ralph loren polo shirts <laughs> and he thought you were the person to sell them no to. yeah bearing in mind yeah. this is me i'm walking around in my ripped jeans and a bloody yeah. like band t-shirt or something <laughs> and he's like oh you want one of these he's like oh yeah tenner tenner i'll tell you i'll do two for 15 and i'm like i said i appreciate the offer mate i said but these really aren't my no i said they aren't my style so no goodbye for anyone else i was like no thanks thanks a lot mate he's like, all right no worries no worries yeah <laughs> and i was just like I got back in the car and Amy was like, where did you go? Yeah. What? And I, was, I explained it. And I was like, that was so surreal. Yeah. Then when we were away last year, we did the, the, the typical family beach holiday, went off to, to Sulu for two weeks. And you go down the main drag where they've got all the, all the touristy shops down by yeah, the beach yeah, yeah. sort of thing. And you got all the geezers down there with their, their hooky football shirts oh, and yeah, the yeah. knockoff uh, smeller like person. Um, eau de toilettes and perfumes yeah. and stuff and i was like oh yeah that i remember from my childhood going on yeah. holiday and seeing that and well, i was like I just don't get that anymore <laughs> my, i'm going to the market as a child 
yeah. that's still over there. That smell of like knockoff perfume still oh, is still really? there. Well, it I was, went about six, seven months ago and it was still there. I think I've been to Northwell Market in 15 years. But yeah, that's my. <laughs> just if you want something, you want a cheap knockoff, you can go over to the market on a Saturday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so those, those people do do still exist. That, uh, they do. They do still exist. I remember when we were seeing the old bill uh, when we were out in in Spain. Every you know once a day or something, they'd start at the top, walk down, and clear <laughs> away all these guys. And within yeah, as soon yeah, as they left the strip, hour. they were all back yeah, again. Back. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember uh, like when we were at school, like knockoff uh, Ralph Lauren was everywhere. Yeah, I remember Jim saying to me, like, if you want it, like, we can just jump on a train, go to London, that you can buy it on Oxford Street, anything you want. And I yeah. was just like, wow, I don't think I ever did because I was much more into the Ben Sherman, yeah, and the yeah, than the Ralph Lauren, but yeah, that that was a definitely if everyone knew someone who knew someone, <laughs> and I could get that shit in the night, definitely in the 90s. Oh, <laughs> it, it warms my heart to, to that, but. You're not really the key demographic, are you? Do you, you just uh, was desperate, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> or perhaps He's didn't like, know his target market. There's a man. Sell to him. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I honestly didn't foresee that little tiny note about Del Boy going off on that much of a tangent. Um, there, there are several fictional places I would like to visit. Uh, you've got Coruscant from Star Wars. Uh, Tanis before the chaos invasion from Warhammer, Stormwind, uh, which is my backdrop right now, um, and, and many, many more. But right near the top of that list is Unseen University's library. Yeah. Now, I am a huge book nerd, as well, <laughs> anybody listening to this podcast probably knows, um, and is, I think, being made very clear in this episode. So the idea of, of wandering around a huge ancient library and thanks to the wonders of uh, L space, potentially all libraries everywhere ever, that would just be like heaven. Just, you could just wander for Ill. days. <laughs> it would be pretty awesome. Like when I was reading about that in the book, the thing that come to, I don't think you've seen it, but the thing that come to mind was, um, I can't remember what it's called now. When Samuel Tarly gets sent to be a maester in Game of Thrones and he walks mm. into the library for the first time because one of the themes in Game of Thrones is that he's not a man. He's not a real man because he, he would prefer to read books and learn yeah. than be out on the battlefield. And so he gets sent to be a maester and he goes to the library and it's the biggest library I've ever seen in my mm. life. And uh, yeah, so that kind of when I was reading about this library in my mind, that was what kept popping up was this <laughs> the Maester Library. And there are certain places in the world that take libraries a lot more serious than we do, oh, like, yeah. especially in Arlo. I'll, I had some time to kill a couple of months ago and I went to, to walk around our library. Oh my God, there's about five books and everything else is computers now. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. They've had, well, they've had was, to modernize, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, but when I was in Brooklyn, for instance, we um, we kind of got, got, got a bit lost and we were trying to look for where we were going. And uh, we found ourselves outside this building that was, it was just a magnificent looking building. Like it had, like, I don't know, it wasn't real gold, obviously, but it had all these carvings outside in gold. It was like, a, it looked like a real kind of beautiful building. And I went to look mm. at what it said in the wall and it was like Brooklyn Library. And, it, and I was just like, 
I'm so jealous. Like, this library looks amazing. On the outside, I didn't get to go in, but from the outside, I was like, this library looks amazing. And then when I walked around our library, I was like, no wonder Harlow is the way it is. No Uh, wonder we have so many people because there's just no, like, we don't have those resources. You can't just go to the library, pick up a book and learn it anymore. Like, not in Harlow. There are are books there, but the libraries have have had to... The the books I saw were like, we're all fiction. They're all they're all very like middle-aged woman books. Oh yeah, like well, this. I think they're 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 tailored to their their clientele. There's a big kids section. There's a lot of kids books in there because I know a lot of mums with young kids use it. Amy and Cody used to go up there a couple yeah. times a month. They'd go to one of the libraries. Um, they've always got bloody books out. And then you've got uh, women of a certain age. Yeah. Who use libraries quite heavily old people yeah and people who want to get online or students the other one i noticed up there when we've been in there before on a saturday when we're when we're up the town um because cody bless his bless his heart loves going to the library and yeah. we'll be wandering around the town's like oh, can we go to the library and he'll be like well okay nerd if you want but <laughs> yeah, he, he truly is his father's son isn't he, he really is um, <laughs> and you go in there on a saturday and you know those big tables they've got up the back where they normally have, yeah, where they have yeah, the art yeah. displays and stuff? Full of people playing Magic the Gathering. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. Dozens and dozens of teenagers there playing Magic the Gathering. It's it's surreal oh, cool. to behold. I mean, I've <laughs> never played it, and it's not really my kind of thing, but good on them. They found something they yeah. loved, and they believe in it. I've seen before, uh, when I've been in up there during the week, uh, there was a Dungeons & Dragons group, well, something like Dungeons & Dragons, some yeah. kind of tabletop pen and paper roleplay group was up there um so i think they've, they've kind of scaled back the number of books and now offer other amenities it's a public because, space to do other things yeah all people i see in there is 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 people on the dole that are pretending to look for jobs so they can write it down <laughs> and get the dole for next week and get a dole for next week yeah yeah it's, it's, it's sad what's happened to, to libraries i mean i've seen some um really impressive ones There's, i can't remember the name of the one big one in london basically yeah. uh, one of the university libraries yeah, you would uh, expect that though in London. Um, yeah. I just, I mean, the further you get outside the city, I think libraries are becoming a thing of the past. Yeah. I, I, I understand. A lot of people's mentality is if I need to know something, I'll Google it. Yeah. But I find, I think, I think a book holds far more information and is far easier to kind of get all the information you need in one place without having to spend hours going through different websites to find out. Yeah, like, yeah. Some, yeah, it's it's. I I'm going to get don't... a book on the patriarchy, and in many <laughs> ways, I can bring it down. Um, I I don't use libraries. I'm not a fan of using libraries. If I want a book, I will go and buy said book. Because yeah, I'm scared of using libraries because I'm quite forgetful, as everyone. I've also uh, yeah, I've also and. I think I'm blacklisted. I think I, I'm blacklisted because there was a book that was supposed to go back that never did. And <laughs> I got some threatening letters and that was about 15 years ago. Um, and I've, I've still got the book somewhere, actually. I think it's downstairs um, <laughs> because I was then scared to go in because there was like, they were basically like, yeah, we're, we're finding you. Not just the fine, but the cost of the book and then an additional fine and a fine from the library we borrowed it from so that you could borrow it. So I was just like, nope, oh. never going to. But yeah, I, I I would prefer to buy the book, so then I've got my own library. Um, but yeah, I am a big supporter uh, of libraries. To be fair as well, they are. Like, you can go on Amazon now 
and like go to the use the new section which is where i buy books and you mm. can get them for like two three and they and they when they say like uh used but good as new yeah nine times out of ten them books are used but good as new yeah they've so, been read yeah, by I someone who barely price, even opened the pages sort yeah. of thing it's yeah i barely ever i, I can't remember the last time i paid full price oh i do i bought stacy a copy of the, the psychopath test for her birthday that was the last that was the last and only time i paid full price for a book in about five years <laughs> but yeah i don't i don't use libraries but i am a big supporter of them for people that do they they, they, they don't work for me but i know they they work for amy they work for cody they work for a lot of other people and they give you free access to information that people wouldn't ordinarily have access to you know you've got my my favorite thing about our library about seven or eight years ago was they had a huge graphic novel collection in there yeah it's gone now because i went in that's what i was looking for when i went in and i was dismayed to know that they'd taken it all out i thought you were still there no i couldn't find it the other the last time we went in there right up the the far end i couldn't find it maybe i'm just blind but i couldn't find it but that was the first place i read um this book called transmetropolitan really really good book it's like it's from the 80s um that was the first place I read that. It's the first place I read a couple of books, really, where I was just like trying to kill time. And I went in the library, picked one up, and just ended up killing way more time than I actually intended because I probably <laughs> it from cover to cover. Yeah. But um, yeah, they used to have a massive one, and that was always good for me because I could go in and instead of being like, I'm going to buy this book to try it, it was a case I'll go yeah. and read one, and then I could go and buy the, the whole series if I really liked it. Mm. That's what I miss about it. About the yeah, library yeah. was being able to. You'll go. try before you buy. I couldn't. You can't do it with a novel because novels are long. But I, I could go in there and do a graphic novel cover to cover in like a morning or like a couple of hours. Or I an did hour that and a half. with uh, what ones were I think it was some of the Star Wars graphic novels. I went in oh. there. And so I'm not. I'm not a big fan. Not a huge fan of comics. He says, sat in front of a shelf full of them. Yeah. Um, it's not. <laughs> and and you're not a I've fan of the medium, me, but but I've when got, the medium got, covers. I've got one right here that I'm reading. <laughs> um, you're a fan yeah. of the medium, but when the medium yeah. covers things that you're into, yeah, you're all right with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I will. Do. And I went in there and read, um, well, most of them that I've then consequent, sub, subsequently gone and bought. Yeah. Uh, I've got a few on the shelf behind me that, you know, I first read there. And then I was like, oh, actually, no, that one was pretty good. So I then, in you know, years later, went out and bought my own copy sort of thing. Which I, I never would have done because I wouldn't have just gone and bought them on the off chance no. that I would like them dropping yeah. 14, 15 quid on something that I might not have liked, especially like 10 or 15 years ago. Well, Christ, would have been more than that. would have been back when I was at college. So I didn't really have <laughs> that sort of money to drop. So there you go, kids. I wish when I was at college I'd spent more time in the library. I Less time in Riley's and McDonald's and more time in the library. I think my life would have been. <laughs> far more positive now have i done that no you just don't even more graphic novels <laughs> right anyway back to our book well our book, oh, yeah. book we're discussing um this book uh in the broader discworld storyline starts three uh i've turned them redemption arcs because they kind of are um so you got yeah, that yeah. Of, you got that of sam vimes yeah obviously because he goes from uh, a drunkard to you know a respected personage in the city by the end of this book yeah um 
the watch because it goes from a handful of ne'er-do-wells and and people who literally can't go anywhere else uh to being again they get instated as proper officers of the watch and they actually start being becoming respected citizens and the whole city of Ankh-Morpork because you, know, you see the state the city's in at, at the beginning of this book um even by the end of this book things have already started to kind of improve for the for those people we were discussing earlier yeah uh, the, the obscure people living in the background with their little mundane lives um before reading this uh for the for the podcast the last discworld novel i read was raising steam which is literally the last in the series that he wrote uh, pratchett wrote before he died um yeah. so seeing the the version of the discworld that was portrayed in raising steam with yeah. you know 40 novels of development and spin-offs and tv shows and video games and then going right the way back to book eight to you know seeing and seeing how things were then it's such a it's, it's really weird because it was kind of like hitting the reset button almost yeah. you see things that have developed in that you're now taking for granted and then you go right back to before all of that even existed was even thought of in that little universe it's kind of reminds me of when you first introduced me to community you were like it starts as one thing but <laughs> by the time you get to the very last episode it's gonna look like that one thing but also be a totally different beast altogether and i was just like i don't know where i don't know what he means by that but then by the time i got to the end i was like oh it became so self-aware that like yeah i totally understand what he means and, the, the, uh, the last episode is basically in, like literally in universe discussing what the next series will be yeah. like <laughs> a show that started with very sensible oh this is just going to be like sitcomy kind of mm. all these kids at the community college they're all like diverse bunch of different ages different races whatever and then by the end of it you got to this point where all the characters have gone through gone from being your typical kind of trope characters to being mm. so super self-aware by the end <laughs> i mean it's like every season they come back and um oh, what's his name joel mccall's character what's his name jeff jeff yeah jeff like he comes back and he's like obviously been in the gym in the off season and uh, there's always a comment about <laughs> how he's bigger or how he's grown a beard or like how he's got yeah. the <laughs> like some character will do it and it works in the in the show but yeah. it, it only because it's been handled in such a smart way and yeah. like, i imagine that's what this is like it's like you've gone through the journey of all these characters right to the end of this world and if you jumped in at the last book, you'd be like, this doesn't make any sense. But you've been kind of drip-fed drip fed it over yeah. 40 books. So by the end of it, you're like, oh, no, this makes complete sense. This is totally, yeah. yeah. It's, it's really weird comparing the two because it's such a big jump. Um, that yeah, sort of comparing comparing them, it's almost like taking modern day and comparing it to, to the Dark Ages or something it's it's yeah it was yeah, a really yeah, big yeah. jump and it was almost nostalgic going back to this this old version of of the of the disc world uh, now we mentioned earlier about pratchett and his uh critique of the human condition yeah. and he's he's almost merciless uh poking fun at us as a species yeah there are there are, i know there's uh there's a, a reading 
Uh, in fact, I've got it further down here as well because I love it so much. Um, and some of the ways he does this, I've, I've kind of got some some examples here of things that really stood out to me as Pratchett, just in, just in this book, um, you know, highlighting oddities about humanity and, and good points and bad points. Yeah. Because um, that's another thing he does. He balances it very well. It's n- nobody is is totally good and nobody is really totally evil. They're all flawed characters in their own way. Um, so you got you got Vimes, who doesn't like people yeah. uh, and is generally quite bitter at the, the, the world and the universe at large. Maybe about a year ago. Uh, yeah, miserable Steve. Yeah. Um, yeah. However, he spends a not inconsiderable portion of what little money he does have on a fluffy ball for a poorly swamp dragon. <laughs> That's, I read that in your notes and I was just like that it it kind of stood out to me at the time that like he doesn't really like people but he gets this animal and he's just like oh this is everything I ever wanted like <laughs> this is companionship this is love this is and I don't have to deal with them talking to me this is perfect <laughs> and he dotes he dotes on the dragon in the same way that, that like I dote on pops like you're, <laughs> she's my best friend and half half the reason is because like I just loves me regardless <laughs> um yeah I, 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 that uh, you know that's that's you see that with people all the time especially grumpy yeah, old yeah. men oh i don't want a dog stupid dog keep it away from me six months later they're sat there with the dog asleep on their lap and they're just like the most content person ever yeah my dad when my brother first got pops it was just like i don't know why you got a dog oh my god it's gonna you yeah. have to walk here you're gonna start house apart no 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 because i'd always wanted a dog growing up but my parents would never yeah. let me have one and then so my brother moved out and he was like i know i've got, I've got a dog now and then literally the first time he brought the dog around within five minutes my dad's just like all over it just like this yeah. is the greatest thing ever i love this dog <laughs> this is brilliant and he was very violent <laughs> you got there's a there's a line here this is the first well yeah, the first of my quotes, I think. Um, Sybil Ramkin. Some daft creature rolls on its back. You disembowel it. That's how they look at it. Almost human, really. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, that's this is kind. This brutal. kind of goes back to that conversation we were having earlier about the shit you had to deal with in school. It yeah. was like, if you showed a weakness, if you wore a Star Trek badge on your blazer, <laughs> like somebody was going to go in on you for yeah. it. That was that was the chink in the armor, and they went they would go in for the kill. Yeah, show no weakness because the second you show some weakness, people are gonna <laughs> gonna come for you. Um, there's the whole that whole scene with uh, Colon reading the proclamation about feeding oh, the yeah, dragon yeah, one yeah. virgin a month, and all yeah. the all the people are all very brave, and they're like, yeah, you know, the people united, and um, but then even before the dragon shows up, they all kind of. It's a bit like we were saying earlier with the with the self-justifying by the elucidated yeah. brethren and the watch. They kind of they undermine themselves and they kind of talk themselves out of it because well, would it be quite so bad? You know, it's not me that's going to get it. Oh, I don't have any virgin daughters, so I'm not worried. And they kind of before there's even any threat to them, they talk themselves out of it because it's easier to talk yourself out of doing something than it is to do something. It's the rash rationalization you see mm. everywhere every day it's the oh um covid 
really, really, really has really negative effects on on like the minorities in this country. Are we going to do anything about it? No, don't bother me. Oh, no, I'm right. not a minority. Yeah. yeah, it's them over there. It's them. Like they deal with that. That's their yeah. problems to deal with. Over here, like I'm doing all right. I'm okay. So we're not going to do anything for them. Yeah. So yeah, it's the right. It's the group. It's the mass foliage you if i pronounce that right of like <laughs> the mass joint delusion that you've rationalized your way into thinking yeah because that makes you feel like a better person yeah yeah so it's like at first they're all like no you can't you can't give them virgins you can't do this you can't do that and then they kind of talk talk themselves to a point of like oh but well, it's, it's only one a month yeah it's yeah. only one a month and None like, of them will be my daughters, and yeah. yeah, so, yeah well, you know are what? you a virgin? Okay, no, right. I'm not a virgin. Well, I'm not a virgin, so <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I like that scene, and then obviously um, the only one who does stand up to the dragon when it turns up is the one who gets eaten. Well, he doesn't get eaten, does he? He gets um, set on fire. Yeah, he gets burned to a crisp. Um, there's a. Uh, I think this. I think I actually sent this one over to you as a reading uh, to do. The, the patrician talking to Vimes uh, yes. right near the end. Um, I believe you find life such... A, I'm not going to do a patrician in problem because it'll have to sound like Charles Dance um, and I can't do a Charles Dance impression. I believe you find life such a problem because you think there are the good people and the bad people, said the man. You're wrong, of course. There are always and only the bad people, but some of them are on opposite sides. And it's like, no, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point because it follows nicely on to my next note on this, which is that Pratchett has uh, a similar message to Chuck Palala, I can't pronounce his surname. Polonik, that's it. Chuck Polonik in Fight Club, which is everyone and everything is terrible in some way. However, the way those messages are put across is very, very different. And there's always the hope uh, of redemption and improvement in this book like, like yeah. i said this book sees the start of three redemption arcs huge redemption arcs um and that, it's you don't get that in fight club it's like everything's awful everyone is awful and that's the way it will be forever and ever and nothing's going to change i took it as kind of like one of the points i really wanted to make in the fight club episode and i didn't because i was too busy telling people how to live their life and been a bit of a um, one of the points I was going to try and make was uh, was about his writing style was very much I found Chuck's writing style was like punk rock compared mm. to say someone like Tolkien who I felt was like prog rock like yeah that's the, a good bare, the bare bones like this is one of the points I wanted to make that would have made that podcast so much better but <laughs> I got too sidetracked saying other stuff but and I kind of look at Terry Pratchett as being in between. He's like he's like the Britpop of he's like the Britpop, like in his writing style, which means he's not going as far as Tolkien and going over the top and doing yeah. twelve minute songs. But he's not as bleak and bare bones as Chuck doing like a kind of punk rock thing. He's kind yeah. of in the middle. It's very much like pulp. It's very much like common people by pulp. Oh my god. Which is, a very kind of anti-establishment, anti-everything. This is how bad the like it can be when you look at us as nothing. But it's sung over the backdrop of such a poppy song yeah. that's uplifting 
that kind of says like you are treating us like we're common and like we're an experiment to come and like slum it (laughs) with us we don't care because we're just going to carry on doing what we do and i'm going to bang you and do you know what i mean i'm going to i don't i don't say this very often but allow me to paraphrase uh someone um you you do have your moments not very often but you do have them and that was one of them because that is one of the best analogies i've ever heard tolkien uh, fucking tolkien terry pratchett is pulp that's yeah no yeah that's yeah just (laughs) perfect Brit pop in general, there was such a positive, like musically, there was such a positive kind of vibe to it. But if you really paid attention, some of the some of the lyrics were quite had look, dark, yeah. dark leanings. I mean, you just look at a song like "Cigarettes and Alcohol." It's all about being on the dull, being unemployed, seeing nothing better than to basically yeah. drink, like smoke, drink and smoke. do coke. But at the same time, the song, the musically, it's and it just fills you with this vibe of like, I'm untouchable, I'm unbeatable, I can do anything, and yeah. I kind of, yeah, I feel like juxtaposing the two, yeah, there with the, the the very sort of like almost dark lyrics over this this invigorating upbeat music, yeah. Pratchett cre- manages to create characters that are funny and humorous and flawed in very human ways. Mm. But so when they're telling the story or when the story evolves around them, you're going to get all these elements of humor and hope and stuff, mm. even if they're in a very dark situation. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I think practice very much like the Britpop, whereas Chuck is very much like hardcore punk and Tolkien is very much like, I don't know, prog rock. I'm not big on prog rock bands, so I can't really name any. <laughs> I know a few, but I just none of the names are coming to my head. Like, yes, maybe. Uh, I, I have another quote here, which is basically 99% uh, quote, which I'm not going to read out because I know this one I have sent over to, as a reading. Um, suffice to say, in fact, I may drop that in here when I'm editing. You have the effrontery to be squeamish. It thought at him. But we were dragons. We were supposed to be cruel, cunning, heartless, and terrible. But this much I can tell you, you ape. The great face pressed even closer, so that once was staring into the pitiless depths of his eyes. We never burned and tortured and ripped one another apart and called it morality. But suffice yeah. to say, it's one of the most powerful lines in this book, and it gives gives me goosebumps to read it every time. It was it was the one line in the entire book that I kind of stopped. I didn't like. I stopped it. It sent me to that kind of deep thinking place. You know, like sometimes yeah. like we watch a film, and I'll be like, "Is this film about not playing God, or is this like this <laughs> one line in this book was like ah, uh, like yeah." so true it's so true and when you look at kind of things that way you're you're like we really are quite a horrible horrible yeah. species this, yeah. the, the dragon says it yeah. very explicitly there but like in that other quote from uh, lady ramkin there's several yeah. other references to you know how how brutal and violent the, the dragons were and they're like oh yeah they're almost human and it's yeah that's what i mean about the ruthlessly poking fun at us 
in 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 fairly oblique ways and it's like he's, he's basically saying yeah we are awful we are horrible as a species you know <laughs> we will disembowel you the moment we get a chance yeah but then obviously he he counters that with carrot and the 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 sort of the essential not badness of carrot, a lot of the characters carrot reminds me of diana prince in as yes. much as he lived secluded in this place where he thought he was one thing <laughs> and then he finds out he isn't and he goes out yeah. into the world but he's got this very kind of childlike naivety of like oh no i'm here to uphold the law like i've read the book i know all the rules i'm gonna go and arrest people and they're like <laughs> stop arresting people that's <laughs> not the way this world works when he marches into the city and arrests the head of the thieves guild <laughs> yeah and they're like he did what and then they he and then, did what <laughs> and, and then they explain how the whole kind of society works that like as long as they kind of only still a certain amount and only do a, a certain, certain amount quota. Of <laughs> yeah then it's all right because there's always got to be some so as long as you don't go too mad you're all good but yeah the way he comes in is like and it's like when he first notices the building for the thieves guild and he's just like that can't be right that can't be right <laughs> yeah so he goes and he, and uh, arrests him. Oh, is it the, the seamstresses when he's staying with the, the seamstresses guild yeah and they're all they're all single young ladies yeah <laughs> In a, what is it? The house is run by Mrs. Palm, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, God. see now that that's that's one of those oblique references, you know, Mrs. Palm and her five lovely daughters. Yeah. And it's like that's a very old school English reference that yeah. a lot of kids these days. Oh, never. Well, not even kids. People in their twenties these days, it would go right over their heads. Yeah. But sort of to a certain generation, you're like, oh, you're all just sniggering, and you're like, oh, look, look, I see what he did there. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. <laughs> and everybody's like you're living there for free and he's for like free. yeah yeah she said it's nice to have a man about the house <laughs> yeah. Dude, like, what did he say something like um some some men got a bit uh like fruity with a couple of girls the other night and i had to go and straighten them out <laughs> i had to go and straighten them out <laughs> yeah there's there's very much like a, a diana prince kind of when she first gets to london feel about carol yeah yeah it's like, too, really too pure for this world yeah. Um, that there's. Uh, I seem to have gotten confused writing this next note. I was reading it earlier while we were going through something else. Um, I mean, there's a. It's really a two-parter. Uh, there's a line talking about the patrician and his choice of wearing slightly shabby black cl- the the slightly shabby black clothes of a man who doesn't want to waste time in the mornings wondering what to wear. Yeah. Now I can, as we discussed in in previous episodes. Um, much of our wardrobes are black. <laughs> oh, yeah that, yeah, yeah. that effect is being somewhat spoiled today by my bright blue Rogue Squadron vest. But that's because it's the only oh, vest I have clean. I see you are you are repping the merch today. I am repping the merch. I'm doing my best Kevin Smith impression by wearing my own, my own merch. I was actually going to wear um, the, the, the T-shirt you got me with yeah. us on it. Um, but then I woke up this morning and the house was already in the high 20s. And I was like, no, I need to be wearing as little as possible. <laughs> I um, The only clean vest I had was my Hamburglar vest. And I didn't want to go through that again. So I put it. Oh, well, you could have yeah. been the, the sweaty mime. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm doing mime impressions, which don't come across really well on a, on a purely auditory entertainment <laughs> medium. <laughs> purely visual entertainment. Oh, right. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, and then the second part of this one, which I really should have divided up into its own note, um, is there's a line where it says, and you had to get up very early in the morning to get the better of the patrician. In fact, it was wiser not to go to bed at all. That is used, that reference about not going to bed at all, crops yeah. up, I think, at least four times throughout the Discworld series. Oh, okay. previous, it's previously in, I believe, the first book when they're talking about the Arch-Chancellor of Unseen University. Yeah. Um, it says about him and uh, someone says something to him. So oh, you have to get up pretty early in the morning. Someone who I think at the time is trying to bump off the current Arch-Chancellor to take his place. Oh, and okay. he says, oh, I can see I can see we'll have to get up uh, pretty early in the morning to get the best of you, sir. And he turns around and basically says, get up early in the morning. You'd be, uh, You'd best not go to bed. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, I remember that. And then it says it in here and it says it about a couple of other people throughout the series. It's one of those bizarre little threads that I think just kind of pops up. I, th- I think there's, there's a personal thing to that. There's like a little like that is something in his life, like something somebody's somebody mm. said to him in his life or something that kind of came up in a conversation with a certain person. And he just likes to put it in the books as like. It's a, there's a very personal, I think there's a he's personal. Doing a, he's doing a space monkey moment. Yeah. yeah he's he's yeah. referencing something. It's a, it's a private joke. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I like that because that justifies us doing it. I don't feel so bad now. <laughs> no. Terry can do it. So can Terry can do it. Yeah. It's like um, when I make jokes about Lou recording voice notes and the only people that know what they're about are the ones in their WhatsApp group. His voice notes are amazing though. They are pretty amazing. <laughs> I wanted to find a way to like, you know, rip them from the the group and then play them on the pod, but I don't know if we can even do that. I I, I shall investigate. I'm fairly certain yeah. there'll be a way. Uh, yes. <laughs> this week, Lou said, and then we just play <laughs> and, then... yeah, we can just have we can do half the podcast with just Lou talking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now there's there's a line which has stuck with me since I first read it, and yeah, I read this this book for the first time when i was in my late teens early 20s yeah because I, I discovered it at a bad time and i basically binge read all of the my dad had at the time back to back um, and yeah. this was one of them um and it's it's the description of a rictus and it's not yeah. a word that is used very often um but whenever it pops up this passage immediately comes into my head Um, The head assassin had once heard the word rictus and wondered when you should use it correctly to describe someone's expression. And now he knew that was what once his face had become. It was the ghastly rictus of someone trying not to hear the words his own mouth was saying. And that every time I hear that word, it's it's a very visceral description and you can picture it. Every time I hear that, I picture Lupine wants his face with the dragon behind him saying about, you know, feeding him a virgin once a month sort of thing and it's it's really bizarre the things that stick with you because that's not a particularly memorable passage but <laughs> no, it's there's it's the point of the book where you're kind of you really uh, like i don't know if anybody else didn't realize but like uh, the supreme grandmaster of the yeah. brethren is actually <laughs> the same person as yeah like, as is once yeah but uh, that's the point where you see this person who's like oh no, I've created a monster. It's yeah. like that Frankenstein moment where he's like, I am God, I've created, I've pulled back to life and that person turns out to be a monster and they're like, oh no, I didn't, I'd never thought about this. I was yeah. so caught up in like trying to get this done. 
that I never thought he could have a negative consequence, and now I've created a monster. You could, I, that's, I think that's the point where you start to actually feel sorry for once. Yeah. Proves to be do, a dick later on. You but. can't, you, yeah. But at that point, you're like, oh no. You were just trying, trying to, like, you know, do your thing. You didn't realize that you were going to create this. But then he, yeah. but then you do feel sorry for him. But then that is taken away again at the end, where you're like, no, he, he gets what he deserves. He didn't. He does. He does the John Hammond. He just. He hasn't learned. It's still the. Oh free yes, that's a much better way of putting it. Yeah, like Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. That is a much better way of putting it. <laughs> to be fair, Hammond. that's only in my head because me and Cody have just finished watching all the Jurassic Park films back to back. So. <laughs> the first um, one, I can watch. I, I must have seen that film fifty times in my life. Like. I've got such good memories of seeing it at the yeah. cinema as a kid. The two and three, I don't think I'm, I might have seen once. Oh, I, yeah, I don't think they I not, yeah, they're not great. But the new one was okay. Jurassic World. What, what Jurassic World is this? It's one of the new, the new like the new. Yeah, one. yeah, with um, yeah, Chris yeah. Pratt. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I haven't seen Fallen Kingdom, but um, I enjoyed we've seen um, most of that. We've we've got about half hour left of that. I actually enjoyed Jurassic World. I thought it was good. I thought it was a good, like, reboot. It was, yeah. There's a scene where, I can't remember his name, but he he, he played Nick in New Girl. But he's he's working there and he's wearing the old Jurassic Park <laughs> the, the old Jurassic Park t-shirt. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I got it on eBay. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that bit. And they're like, do you not think that's a bit sick? All these people died. And he's like, um... Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's good it's also great watching cody get so excited about dinosaurs oh yeah, and then, yeah. well like we watch it and then we'll go and pick amy up from work and he'll spend 10 minutes telling her about yeah and then this dinosaur ate this thing and then this dinosaur did this and it's like that's that's the enthusiasm i want to see talking about dinosaurs eating people <laughs> that's how you start education now he might be like i, I want to know about dinosaurs and he might go and learn and he might want to be a paleontologist like yeah Everyone did after they watched Jurassic Park. Yeah, there was a good, there was a good two months, Rob, where I wanted to be a paleontologist. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't deny that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, right? And this, this is being really clever here. Maybe time bifurcated at that point, and down one trouser, one leg of the trousers of time, you became a paleontologist, and down the other leg of the trousers of time is the one that led you here. So, that was my next note. <laughs> so this is the darkest timeline that we're currently this on. This is right? the darkest timeline, yeah. yes. <laughs> Come next episode, I'm going to have an eye patch. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a note about the uh, the trousers of time theory, because it's yeah. mentioned several times in this book, uh, especially by the librarian. And it's used quite a bit in uh, some of the later books. So I, okay. I just wonder if it was if it was intentional foreshadowing or whether he came up okay. with this idea in this book and just really liked it. So kind of referenced back to it. I, I have no feel for how far in advance Sir Terry planned these, yeah, yeah, these yeah. novels, but I like to think he had it planned and that was something that he was laying the groundwork for, for like future books. <laughs> yeah. Just because, um, well, you know, if the man can forge his own sword from a meteorite, then I'm sure he can plan that. <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Um, and I was going to say, I like the librarian a lot. Luke? Yeah, <laughs> I um, there's, he has a passage where he says something like, um, well, he doesn't say he thinks something like, yeah, about Lassie and about all these other animals that seem to be able to like 
Just <laughs> look at a human and no one has a clue. <laughs> I like the one where, um, oh, what is it? Arthur, he rescues Vimes from the dungeon. Yeah. He tears the, 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 the thing out of the wall. Um, and Vimes says something. And it's like screaming at him and he's just like, ook. And he puts it down and you've got a little passage where he says, you know, the librarian decided not to mention this, uh, decided to let the, the use of the word monkey slide on this occasion. Because when a man is irate enough to pick up a 300 pound uh, orangutan without realizing he's got other things on his mind. I love as well, like the first time, the first few times we meet him, no one can understand him. But by the end, like Vimes is actually having a conversation with him, and all he's saying is "ook or eek," and Vimes knows exactly yeah. what he means. It's yeah. kind of like a, a Han Solo Chewbacca type. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like it, there's uh, uh, in later books where the wizards um, come further to the fore, and they establish a cast of returning wizards, uh, and obviously the librarian is is featured heavily in that. Um, it's it's great sort of seeing him develop as a character when. You know, all he really says is ook and on occasion eek. <laughs> yeah. That's like the only lines he has, yet he fully develops as a character and interacts with this cast of of, of humans and dwarves and, and everything. And it's just really fun to see that. <laughs> yeah, it, there is there is definitely a true back of vibe going on. Yeah. And the yeah. fact that he does the fact that they don't kill him off with a moon just because people got fed up trying to find new ways to express that character who didn't actually use words probably speaks volumes uh, about, you know, Sir Terry compared to some of the writers of the Star Wars books. <laughs> um, yeah, be, shape if, there. if I don't if I don't stay quiet, we're going to do half an hour on everything that's wrong in Star Wars. So we, we are. So we'll, um, we'll, we'll move swiftly along. You know books. I mean, I I know I could have looked this up, but I'm only really kind of thinking about it now. So obviously I didn't. What yeah. came first, the first Game of Thrones book or this? That's a really good question. I don't because know. Because the Night Watch is a lot like the Watch in Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's how it feels to me. It's like the people that kind of are on the edge of society or have got no other better use or are rapists or whatever kind of get sent to the watch yeah i'm just i'm just googling um, which came first yeah uh right it, this in the... <clears throat> yeah okay um game of thrones uh first of august 1996 well it's published first of august 1996 i assume this was before then uh yeah uh guards Gods published date nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's just pretty so by, by a few years. Was a terrible crash. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, most modern fantasy writers are. Yeah. Mo because... like it's just when Kara has to leave and they send him there to be part of the watch. Like I was getting, I was getting like bare game of thrones vibes when it happened <laughs> I was like, him, almost imagine him going to like a big wall where he's got to like <laughs> fight the fight the wildlings but yeah i just um i was i was curious to know which one came first yeah well there we go we've got it that we we now know um this is gonna go counter to new to things i've said numerous times before 
I think we should have more churches. What? <laughs> and by that, uh, I read this in your note. And what you mean is a more diverse base of religions, right? I mean, yeah, I mean more more officially recognised religions because this book, there's that whole thing where the heads of various religions end up having a full on brawl with, yeah, with bats yeah, like, and planks of wood to decide who's going to be doing the coronation. Like Thirty six <laughs> different religions or something, and yeah. 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 Uh, and I, I really like that idea because uh, if we had more, we could get some really good ones going. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Like the, I, I could get behind attending uh, semi-regular meetings of the Church of the Crocodile, Crocodile-Headed God, Offla. I could I could definitely go for that. <laughs> I just want to like join the Church of the Jedi and have it be official and actually be able to say, that, like, I am a Jedi. <laughs> that's all i've ever wanted since i was about six years old was I to keep, be formally recognized see, as a jedi you can probably see on here i'm wearing the uh the, the jedi uh, medallion you bought me actually um yeah. and I, see I, disney I i've been to your place i've given you money i'm not totally against you please Shh. don't come after us yeah. don't mention the d word <laughs> we'll get a cease and desist letter the D word has got a completely different connotation in the type of universe. Yeah. Um, I, I wear this. I, I wear this medallion a lot because I am a self-confessed Jedi. Not a very good one, but you know, I, I'm, I'm making you the try. attempt. No, we can't say try. No, <laughs> because do or do not. You're but, like one of them Jewish people that on a Friday when they're not allowed to use electricity, as someone else come round to the house to turn their telly on for them. <laughs> Oh, I'm like one of those Christians who, rather than being a Christian, is actually just a bigot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like one of them voodoo. Pr- no, no, that's going too no, far. No, no, no. We're going, we're going too far. Um, but, but yeah, I would. I, I keep. I wear this, and I wear it quite prominently. Um, and sometimes I'll be walking around work, and it's dangled out of my shirt because I've done something or what have you. And I keep waiting for somebody to to, to question it or something. Just so that I can go off on a rant about like Christians with their crosses and what have you. But nobody has. They're all too polite at my place. I I think the world needs to hear how you deal with Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> your door. Right. We went, we went through a phase uh, where we were having Jehovah's Witnesses knocking on our door once a week, possibly more some weeks. Okay. Um, and it's because it was Amy's fault because she's too polite. Whereas, you know, at the time I would just go, no, thank you. And close the door. I wouldn't yeah. engage them because I don't agree with what they're doing. Um, but Amy's far too polite. So she would, she'd end up getting into conversations. Um, and I remember at one point, one of them knocked and was like, Oh, hi, is Amy there? And I was just like, Whoa, hold up young man. You all don't be knocking on my door, asking to talk to my fiance. What? Um, so anyway, I got fed up with it. Doing that next time I come to your house, I'd be like, hi, Rooney, is Amy there? <laughs> No, um, I got fed up of it and I kept coming home and she'd be like, oh, I got stuck talking to them again. I spent 45 minutes on the doorstep. Look, they give me all these pamphlets and I got fed up with it. So I invested some time at work and I made my own uh, Jediism pamphlets. And twice now, uh, I think we've been blacklisted because of this, because they don't ever knock on our door anymore, which is a real shame. But so twice now, they've knocked on. It worked. Yeah. Yeah. They, they basically knocked on my door and they were like, oh, have you considered, you know, have you considered letting Jesus into your life? And I was like, let me stop you there. I'm not looking for a new religion. 
Uh, I'm not really interested. And they go, okay, because they've got a spiel for that. Like, well, can we just leave this with you to have a read? I said, I will take one of yours if you take one of mine. And they give you this sort of bemused look. I said, what? I say, wait there. And I go and I grab it and I say, right, there you go. And I give them this pamphlet that I made up and I printed about Jediism and I give it to them and they go away. And then, oh, thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll have a read of that. And they just walk away, just like scratching their head. Like, totally bemused, did that like, just happen? That motherfucker <laughs> just played us at our own game. Yeah. And I've done that twice. And the last time was two years ago. And they haven't come back since. My, my favourite way of dealing with people, religious people, and I knock on my door is just to let them go through their initial spiel and just say, I'm sorry I've wasted your time, but I'm in fact a Satanist. And just watch <laughs> their face drop. Yeah. And I just <laughs> let them back away, back away slowly as I shut the door. I did it the other the other year. They were out and about and they were out in force in our neighbourhood and they were congregating on the corner, you know, strategising and planning their, their attack sort of thing. I, I went and got my robes out, my Jedi robes, and I put them on. <laughs> and I was just waiting for them to knock. And they didn't. And I was so disappointed because I was just going to bust out. I was like, there with the hood. And I was like, waiting for it. And they never knocked. So disappointed. Uh-oh. So you hear this local um, godbotherers, come to my house. I've got my robes. I've got my pamphlets. Yeah. I'll debate you. Rooney's incredibly <laughs> receptive to all the things you're trying to push. As long as you will open your mind and be receptive towards his. As long as you're, yeah. Um, I have a note I about... Think next time one of them knocks, you should just give the same speech you're going to give on guys we fucked about and you're trying to fuck all the straight white mouths. <laughs> my religion is um, putting my penis in bum holes. <laughs> have you tried it? Right, well, no, you can't tell me it doesn't work. No. <laughs> um, you take your ancient uh, alien. <laughs> you can't prove this isn't right so you can't prove it isn't right <laughs> we can put this on the history channel the parade um, is real fact pseudo fact pseudo scientific facts uh, uh, I've, you, I'm lost now where was I nerd nerd yes being completely undrunk Actually seeing the world as it is, in its harsh reality, all comforting illusions stripped away. <laughs> I love that concept. Like, the fact that, the, the idea that, that just day to day, everyone is just a tiny little bit naturally drunk. Which is how yeah. we manage to deal with the cosmos and the world just being a shithole. And that people like Vimes are just totally undrunk. They are nerd. <laughs> Yeah, which is why I have to drink every day just to get back to the same place that everyone else is yeah. in. To get so to the same understand. basic yeah. level. Yeah, I've, I've met some people like that. Yeah. You're just like, have a couple of beers because you're, then you're, you're, you're tolerable then. <laughs> um, I think you're talking about me, right? Um, I'm far more. Yes. I'm a far more fun person to be around when I've had a couple of drinks. Yeah. You're you're a far more personable person when you're when you're about two drinks in. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah then you reach the level of sociability that most people are at just naturally. <laughs> a few drinks, and then I'm just like, I'll, I will talk to anybody about anything. The only yeah. downside to it is after a couple of drinks, I'm even more of a loose cannon than I am sober. So yeah. most of them people don't want to talk to me. 
No. You, you start the conversation and they're, oh, he's very animated and engaging. And then you drop your first pegging reference and they're like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I think I only have really one more actual discussable note which is probably a good point good thing because uh we've noticed that recordings when they get to three hours tend to go a little bit wonky and we are pushing three hours um the joyful willful mangling of sayings and one-liners yeah such as douche balls yeah and (laughs) your geography (laughs) oh nobby's got some of the best lines of dialogue in the entire book Yeah. yeah There's that, that whole sequence towards the end where they're marching on the palace yeah. uh, after the dragon's been defeated and he's, and he's clearly just up. on one and just busting these out and it's just like, yeah. oh, what are you doing? You can just imagine Sir Terry when he was writing them was was chuckling to himself. At how... I imagine, <laughs> like, once he, re- he kind of realised the Nobby character, like, he would just be going through normal life, like, doing the washing up and he would just instantly in his head he'd be like oh your geography yeah like shopping and he'd, he'd think of another one just randomly write that one down yeah because he's got so many good ones so many well-used phrases that you switch one word and yeah it becomes hilarious and it's so <laughs> simple that's the that's the thing about it is it's so simple what he's done with that character but yeah i defy anybody to read that and not at least have a smile <laughs> yeah nobby is uh he's my spirit animal all right before we get out of here i've got a question for you yeah um you made a drunken proclamation on facebook the other night about the casting of the new the new uh this world tv show that's coming and i was hoping we could get away without mentioning that <laughs> <laughs> yeah you told me to remind you because you were drunk and you would forget so here I am reminding you. What yeah. is it? Without getting into specifics, because I imagine you don't want to alienate anybody or upset like, anyone. Basically, but, BBC America are making a series based on the, the City Watch in Ankh-Morpork. Um, yeah. And they details are now creeping out because I think it's due for release either later this year or early next year. And... Um, the, the the director of the series or the producer of the series actually responded to uh, one of my tweets online. Really? <laughs> yeah, did, trying to defend did himself. Did you then take the opportunity to promote the podcast? While you? <laughs> no, I didn't because um, he wasn't very happy about the the the, the tone I'd taken. Um, uh. And uh, yeah, he tried to defend himself by saying that he has first edition copies of all the books. Um, because I asked if the people making this had ever actually read the bloody books, because it really doesn't. Come... They've they've put the details details are coming out about it. There was a big cast photo, um, and uh, basically neither Sir Terry nor uh, his estate, effectively, the dis- yeah. uh, it's being run by his daughter Rihanna. Um, no, they haven't been involved with it since I think at least 2015 when he died. Okay, so um, they must have sold the licensing rights. Well, they, they the idea was it, when it was floated by the BBC that he would do it. Obviously, BBC have made uh, radio dramas and yeah, a, a yeah. TV special, and as have Sky, but they were all involving Sir Terry. So yeah, they yeah. were very faithful recreations of the books, and they are widely beloved by the fan base. 
This one, I'll just give an example to put out how ridiculous this is. Um, Lady Sybil Rankin in the books yeah. is a substantially a statuesque, shall we say? Yeah. Uh, figure of a woman in her 40s um, who runs, who lives in a big old mansion and looks after poorly swamp dragons. Yeah. In the series, she appears to be late 20s, slim, and is a vigilante. What? Exactly. This is what people can't get their heads around. Um, there's other screw-ups like Cheery Littlebottom, who appears um, later on in the, the disc series. She's a crime scene investigator. She's also a dwarf. Right. Uh, non-denominational dwarf, because you can't tell with dwarfs because they all look the bloody same, regardless of what they've got going on underneath there. Um, yeah. In this series, she is a non-binary... Uh, Native American person. So <laughs> six foot is, tall. <laughs> is this is this the Americans missing the point? I know I we've got some so. American listeners, so I don't want to disparage them. But is that them really just missing the point of what this book? They, they seem about? to have got the license. So Terry's no longer involved in it. They've gone off and done their own thing, and they're yeah, they're just making a complete hash of it. Which, well, it might, it, it's my opinion, but they're making a complete hash of it. It seems to me like it's the same with um, a lot of things that are going into production these days. It's like there's a there's a checklist. Yeah. We have to represent. And I'm all about, right? I'm all about representation. Oh, yeah. I've, everybody should have the right to see themselves up on screen and Definitely. be able to relate. Totally agree with that. <clears throat> but it's almost seems like there's a checklist before you can green light anything these days there's a checklist it's like we've got to represent these people these people these people these people these people we have to steer steer clear of this subject this subject this subject this subject we have to have at least like one or two of these things in it and then we'll green light it yeah like but why don't it just like it's the same as when Marvel decided that they were going to suddenly turn Iron Man into a young 15 year old black girl and like create female versions of heroes and create like suddenly take a character that has been around for 30 years and make them gay it's like I I have no problem with you representing all, all ways shapes and forms of life in your art but just create new characters create yeah. new stuff that Instead of taking something that already exists and trying to jam these things in to something yeah. that was created without them. So, you know, if by jamming them in, you're altering it enough that it's no longer the original thing. Yeah. Just take just take all these things you want to do and create new art. Create and if, new things. Don't yeah. retcon old stuff to be something it's not. Yeah. Please don't. Stop doing it. It's bad. Create new characters. Create new <laughs> books create new things that you can express all this stuff with because it's important all this stuff gets expressed it's just i yeah. feel that when they start trying to jam it into pre-existing stuff you're really taking away the essence of what that pre-existing stuff yeah. was. it's no and longer what it was i mean there's not one thing i did notice is there's not many women in this book at all there's mentions of like mrs palm and her daughters and then there's sybil and aside from that, I think there's like one woman that gives some social yeah. commentary. 
but it is a very male book. So go and make, go and, you know, put this book on screen. If you want to do one with young vigilante women, go and create something with young vigilante women. If you want to represent Native Americans, go and create something that represents Native Americans. At at this point, at this point in the, in the series, the watch are a bunch of washout, no good wastrel men, basically. Yeah. Um, by the next book, they have uh, a female werewolf and a, and a female dwarf who have joined the cast. Um, awesome. I look forward yeah. to that. So <laughs> yeah. why, couldn't, it... why couldn't the reimagining of Sybil be be one of them? Why couldn't one of them be a, like, it's... a younger woman? Yeah, it just it baffles me the way they've gone about it. But yeah, it looks bad. And the director, the producer wasn't happy that I said it looked bad. I haven't responded to him because, to be honest, it would get lost amongst the replies because there have been my my phone. Um, I've got more notifications now since doing that. It was on a BBC BBC tweet uh, Twitter post, and since then, yeah, it's blown up. There's there's whole different arguments. The trousers of time have bifurcated on yeah, my oh, timeline, definitely. and there are so many. Just I'm just like I've basically muted most of them now because I can't be bothered. My I minions just, are doing I'm, my work for me. It baffles me why. It- people would spend so much money creating something only to change it yeah it just like if you want it to be a success which is clearly what you want it to be otherwise yeah. you wouldn't be putting, putting investing all the money into it just give people what they want mm-hmm. don't Got change a ready-made it. fan base here don't alienate them you know you've yeah. got 30 odd years of fan base <laughs> tap into that shit and you're like, it's like you, not not wanting to cosplay as Wonder Woman, but, but wanting to do the male version. It's like <laughs> nobody needs to see me in a in a corset and a short leather skirt, all right? Unless they're on my Patreon or my OnlyFans, in which case, <laughs> right? <laughs> let's wrap this up. Let's wrap this up. <laughs> We're pushing three hours. Love. Find what you love. Believe in it. Positive things will happen. Cheerio.